Any pints of wine this week? No, I haven't. I haven't had. In fact, <laughs> no. mate, I've had. Oh, I've had no nothing at all to drink this week, and I've been training very, very hard all week. Penance, including whilst watching the game yesterday, two hours ten minutes on the bike. Oh wow! And so I thought I, I thought I'd ride the whole game, and I was yeah. proper going for it. And then I th- and then of course it goes to extra time. I thought, oh God, here we go. Of course it does. And I was including the half time break as well. Uh, but then I had two hours and ten minutes into it, I was like, I can't do anymore. So I, I, there was I was in the I was in the second period of extra time when I just stopped. I haven't got I haven't got that sort of dawn wall dedication. Can you sleep if you've been cycling for two yeah, hours? I slept in the quite night. well actually. I mean, it, but but then I I was up for another hour or hour and a half after that. Yeah, I went running late the other night. During the other semi-final, I went running late, and yeah, I couldn't sleep then for another couple of hours. Two hours ten. I chuffed with that though, and then also what I was even more chuffed with is I took the kids uh, and Kelly for pizza yesterday. And I, I love the smell of freshly cooked pizza. Obviously, I'm not mad. It was, local, <laughs> it was a local pizza place, right? So it was hot, hot, fresh pizza. And then yes. Kel decided she wanted chips with cheese on top as well, which smelt amazing. Very Freshly. nice. I thought, fucking hell. Very that. Swansea choice, that. Don't do it, Mike. Don't do it. So do you know what I had? Nothing at all. Nothing? Oh, wow. I didn't have any pizza. I didn't have any chips with cheese on. I just went on two hours and ten minutes on the bike. Yeah. Job done. And then, and then when I got home, I had a tiramisu. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do you know what? Because I thought I deserve this. <laughs> <laughs> but then at the end of the night... Yeah. Before I go to bed, which is where I get is where I get pretty proper pissed off on my body, right? Because I think you've been drinking. I probably drank about two or three liters of water, so you get quite bloated anyway, didn't you? Yeah. And then you always look fatter right before you go to bed than you do when you wake up anyway. Okay. And then I thought, fucking, I've worked my bollocks off here. This is the first time this happened yesterday. I thought, what if? Because I was like nearly twenty stone before. Yeah. What if what's left is just skin, and it's not coming off? Do you know what I mean? Oh, wow. Uh, kind of. What, skin and water? Yeah, but what, I mean, I don't feel You're like a water now, balloon. But I've still got a bit of fat there, right? But I don't feel fat. and I, I, My fitness is good. But I think, well, what if that's just skin? Thick that, skin. That has stretched because I was a fat twat, and now I can't, and now it's not going oh, back. Oh, interesting. Because you always see those people like on Slimming World who've lost 24 yeah, stone, yeah. don't you? They've got and a wobbly neck. When they got a top off, they look, they look awful. Let's be honest. You still on the weights? Not this week, but I but I am on the weights. I've just been super busy, but I, I am going to be back on the weights because my son got sent home, didn't he? So I've, I've had my my boys been on with me all, all week, which wouldn't normally happen. So the stuff I usually get done in the day, I've got to. I can't leave my son there when I go and lift weights for two hours. He's eleven years old. <laughs> Stop indoors, mate. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Because I take him to the gym. I said, take him to the gym with me. Spot me, boy. It's like <laughs> spot. It's like a steroid gym in East Cardiff. <laughs> Stand there and spot me. Come on, Ben. Yeah, so I haven't done any weights. That's a good point now. Yeah, I just think I might never lose this little bit of a this muffin roll now. I don't know. What? what muffin top, muffin roll, what, was it called? What do you weigh muffin now? Top. I haven't weighed for a while. Um, I think I'm. I put a bit of weight back on, didn't I? I think about 104k, yeah. whatever that is. So. Do you weigh regularly? I don't weigh at all. I used to weigh every day. Really? No. You know they say don't weigh every day. That's bullshit. Of course you're going to weigh every day. How are you going to know if you're going up or down? And also, when you know you're going to weigh every day, you don't have that pizza and those chips and cheese. You go, oh, fuck, away with those. I'll be heavier tomorrow. I don't, yeah, I don't have any scales in the house. I'm a vain person. I'm not. No. Well, I no, I, I don't. Yeah, I clearly. Look at me. No, you always look good. But I mean, I've got a lot of stuff there. I, but the You're handsome enough to not be vain, Steph, in my opinion. That's certainly the way I look at it. <laughs> yeah. 
I realised the other day that I hadn't looked in the mirror at all for about three days, and I should probably just check I had, if I didn't have any massive spots or anything oh, like that going yeah, on. That's, that's... Well, I was supposed to get I was supposed to get bloody headshots then last week, and I still have got what's left. Of, my cortisol's gone now, but I've got a little right. scar on my lip where where it was. So I'm still. I thought, fucking, I'm 49. What, what, I've, I've got. I've now got like a spot on my nose. And yeah. one of my near my eyebrow, I thought, well, what's See? going on here? I mean, I'll be honest, when I was using Oxy 10 in the 80s, I thought it'd be finished by now. <laughs> it's funny, and yeah, I assumed that I wouldn't Biactol. have any. Yeah, when I, yeah, exactly. When I was washing in blue by Actol. Blitz those zits with Oxy. Blitz those zits. What was that I've stuff? Got no made spots of? or skin. I don't know. Bleach, I think. <laughs> It did smell a bit lovely, yeah. I remember reading in one of my sister's magazines some advice from Anton Deck about spots. <laughs> and either Anton or Deck said, you should just put a load of toothpaste on I read spots. that once. And I, that's what I did. You you look mad and you stink of mint. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it, you're supposed to before it, you go up, though. It has no demonstrable effect on your yeah. spots, unfortunately. No. And as much as I respect Anton Deck, yeah. uh, I, don't, I don't respect... Or have any time for their skincare advice. <laughs> Although, a lovely listener called Rich uh, popped around the other week. I found that he is actually the man behind the gnomes that was left on my doorstep not long so, ago. Sorry, a listener popped round? Well, yeah, because he's a friend of a friend. Oh, right, okay. We've so just got like uh, we opened people the, we op- knocking on your door. <laughs> when we mentioned the grogs on here before, yeah, and how much I'd love a grog, uh, about two days later I opened the front door. And Kelly mm. said, come on, have a look at this. We opened the door, and then on the doormat were two gnomes. One painted in the tracksuit that I wore for Mammoth. Yeah, yeah. With a moustache and, and a red and white Adidas tracksuit. And one dressed in a purple and yellow pod colours uh, Elvis jumpsuit with nogs on the, bo- on the bottom instead of grogs, so GN. Obviously. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. But I didn't know where it was from. I thought it was somebody who knows my address, so I couldn't work it out. And then it's a friend of a friend who'd asked, do you think Mike would, Mike, would you mind giving me the address so I can drop these things off? And then he popped around, same bloke, a couple of days ago, how nice is this, right? Brought me a load of nice um, product, shampoos and bits and bobs, right? You made him sound like a dealer. <laughs> <laughs> but also, and this is talk about brownie points for me. Yeah. Brought a big bag of uh, beauty stuff around for Kelly. He said, listen, Kelly never gets stuff because of the podcast, so I brought a load of... Uh, Really nice oh, stuff. Oh, how nice is wow. that? It's very oh, nice. A lovely fella. Is he trying to get off with you? It sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> he had no clothes on. That was the worrying bit. But <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just hanging on the door. <laughs> Not using his hands. <laughs> 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 just popped through the letterbox. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> just smacked with a rolled up echo. <laughs> yeah, so how nice is that? I've still got your bloody chocolate bars here. I mean, I, you know I'm going to eat them at some point, do you? I mean, I've, I've had two chocolonies in my fridge now for three weeks. How can you? How can you not have eaten those already? Because they're ones for you, ones for Steph. Because oh, he weighs yeah. himself every day. I'm not an animal. Oh, they they they'd have gone by now. And you got a mug each as well, off study oh. beds. But I'll be honest. Study bed mug. What does that turn into? <laughs> it turns into a saucer. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm gonna, but I'm going to give Ellie the Ellis one, but I'm going to put, I'm going to just get some black nail varnish. Right, Ben, on the other one, <laughs> put an apostrophe and an extra L in it, make it Ellie's. <laughs> yeah, the Steph one take a bit, bit, bit just more work. Line through it. <laughs> but someone else has bought a study bed, and they phoned up. Did you see it? They said, no. 
<laughs> they, they phoned up. They said, I gave my address. He said, oh, you one of Mike Bubbins just listens to the podcast. <laughs> Another 50 quid, that means, for me. Oh, this is ridiculous. Happy days. Huh? <laughs> I've made £150 off study beds. <laughs> All right, they cost me two and a half grand, but I mean, that's not... <laughs> they had a great bit of kit, Mike. Honestly, I'm not just saying it. Oh, God. The other day, when I got fairly tipsy, just slept in the study bed, and I was out like yeah. a light. Oh, wonderful. You were next door's cat just down the side of it. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't gone missing for a while, that cat. I'm getting a bit low on gin. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get him. So, things, boys, are we all good? All good? Yeah, not bad at all. Yeah. One of the boys has started walking to school with his mates. Oh. Which is a big step. What year? Yeah, he's only five. Yep. He is a very confident five year old. Op- open the door, make sure he goes in the right direction, and then off he goes. It's fine. His, his mates are in their 40s. It's fine. <laughs> He struggles with the pram a bit, pushing it. But um, <laughs> well, Ben wanted to walk with his mates event, you know, because he was, you know, he's year six now. Yeah. I said, yeah, mate, if you want to do that, you can. But you know, I gave him a phone and stuff, and said he can use this if you ever need it. And, yeah. But I would always make sure that I left with my daughter about yeah. thirty seconds after him. <laughs> exactly. I can always want, see him. <laughs> you wind up walking really slowly behind them. Yeah. But it's amazing how slowly 10-year-old and 11-year-old boys can walk. How is that? Yeah. It's like a little kid's putting shoes on. You're like, how the fuck can this take so long? <laughs> well, they can't do laces, mate. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, but just putting their feet in the shoe. You haven't taught me how to do they this, Dad. On. How fucking thick are you? It's we self-evident. Were, I, I tell, I've never seen one before. Just do the work lace. It out, you We dickhead. were late the other day, and I said, right, put your blazer on. Five your blazer? seconds later, it's fucking not on. And I'm like, come on. Blazer, you see, this is you've changed, so mate. simple. You've changed. Well, it's just blazer. a school uniform. Well, a blazer. Be a yeah. boater straight, will you? <laughs> Come on, it's a normal a boater state on school. Just they just. Are you supposed to punt with a boater like that? <laughs> <laughs> I do like a blazer. Kelly School, they 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 all wear blazers. It's a smart. Do they? Well, that was a blazer. Put your elasticated tie on. <laughs> you haven't got an elasticated tie. She, I haven't, she has. I haven't, I can do one of myself. <laughs> I can do my own tie. Right, you shouldn't be wearing a tie if you can't tie a tie. All of the ties at her school are elasticated, so you can't buy a... It feels like a safety thing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. What, put an elastic band on your neck? Well, better, better than a really, really tight, strong mm. piece of tie. We had a horrible head teacher when I was in year seven. Mm. A despicable man. Um, but he picked up a kid by his tie once. Ooh. Ooh. And they had, they had to get a knife from the canteen to cut his tie off. Because they couldn't get his tie off and he was choking, basically. Oh, my God. Gone, I didn't know you'd gone to school in the 19th century. <laughs> oh, mate, I'm not kidding. 19th you. century Boston. I, I don't know when the law changed. But Probably it was before that happened. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was well before we used to get regularly beaten up in... Uh, really? Oh, yes. oh God, I it was horrendous. they stuff. stopped... Corporal punishment in schools. I can tell you something in Barry Boys Comp. 87? I think so. That was really? carried on in private schools. I think... This particular fella, and he's dead now, so, you know, uh, thankfully. Um, but yeah, he pick, he, oh, he's a horrible bloke. <laughs> he was just a dickhead of a bloke, horrible man. Yeah. Yeah, he picked the kid up by his tie. Wow. He once punched me off my feet when I was 11. Wow. Wow. I just had an operation on my ear, and I was I was running. It was a Friday after school. School finished. I'm running to the gate. Yeah. He stepped out from behind a building and just basically launched me in the ear, and I just landed on my backside. 
obviously in tears because you're 11 yeah. years of age. Well, yeah. And a grown man's just hit so, you. What, what's the matter with you, boy? I said, I've had an operation on my ears, sir. And you just punched me. Silly twat. Yeah, that I still had stitches in. Well, 1982, parents can stop school beatings. Corporal punishment in Britain's schools has been dealt a blow by the European Court of Human Rights. It has ruled that beating school children against their parents' wishes is a violation of the Human Rights Convention because parents should have their children taught in conformity with their own religious and philosophical convictions. And then, in 1986, beatings in state schools were outlawed the ban was not extended to fee-paying schools until March 1998. 1998? They can still yeah. kick the shit out of you if you I, paid them. In 86, they stopped it. I actually remember seeing There's that. There's a difference in a, in, a, in a ruler on a, on a hand, though, and a, and a full-grown man punching an 11-year-old in the ear, isn't there? Serious questions have got to be asked about his state of mind. Oh, he's he a dodgy kids. prick as well. He used to bloody... <laughs> I'd never saw anyone with an ailment that couldn't be cured by the fact that our belts were too tight. <laughs> genuinely, genuinely. You know the problem is, don't you, with you, lad? Your, belt, your belt's too. T- I said, "What, really? I got, a, I got, a, I've stubbed my toe, uh, sir." Yeah, asthma. <laughs> That's what he's so like. I know, I know. I'll fix that. Oh yes, and loosen your belt. That's what you need to do. Oh my can, god! Can I do it myself, please, sir? <laughs> he used to. He used to belt us. I mean, I mean, belt us. Surprising amount of teachers, in my experience, didn't like children. I mean, I think he hated kids. Yeah, I had a teacher at school, and I remember thinking, you hate kids, don't you? The yeah. good teachers seem to like kids and seem to get a kick out of teaching. Well, also, yeah. you remember, mate, the, the good crow. ones, the ones you got on best with didn't hit you, funny enough. And the ones, yeah. you'd, be, the ones you'd behaved for were the ones that weren't beating you up. Yeah. Yeah, because you, you liked them. And you didn't want to annoy them. Yeah. I don't want to annoy him because he's, he's a nice bloke. The craze got regularly caned in school. Right, it doesn't. It, it just doesn't work, does it? Yeah. When has it ever worked? When, when, when have you been a? You've been something really bad. The teacher's giving you a clip. You thought, oh, I won't do that again. Strange, strange man. Um, I remember P teachers, and, and this bloke I really do like. He's one of my favourite people in the world. But, but I was having a fight in rugby training in year seven with a mate of mine who's still a mate of mine now, and he grabbed us both by the back of the collars in a rugby lesson. And just cracked our heads together. Oh, yeah! And told us to you know sort it out. Yeah. I remember my my dad told me that he'd had a fight in school. He'd gone into the classroom, and the the headmaster said, "I saw that." And dad thought, "Shit, I'm going to get in trouble." And he went, "Well done." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> See? Very good fight. L- l- love watching you boys scrap me. Lovely <laughs> fight. <laughs> you just won me five so pounds li- off the other yeah. teachers. Love that. Loved that. One of our old PE teachers, proper old moustache on him as well. Lovely old REF moustache. Yeah. I was in the gym club in year seven. Your first year, we used to call it, your first year at comp. And I was doing uh, handspring vaults over a long box. But I wasn't reaching far enough onto the box, so I, was, I wasn't quite getting enough flight onto the box, you know what I mean? Okay. So to make me reach for the end of the box, yeah, he put a rugby ball like a foot away from the end of the box, just balanced it yeah. on top of the box. The, th- the thought process being, if I hit that ball, yeah, I'll probably break my teeth at the very best, right? <laughs> but uh, it worked. I reached like a bastard the next one. <laughs> <laughs> Love that injection of jeopardy into a pee lesson. Yeah. You oh, get this God, wrong, yeah. you're going to break your teeth. Oh, it's horrible to have broken teeth. So do bear that in mind. We had a teacher who, one kid was mouthing off in his class. And he put him in a headlock. I tell you, the, I tell you, the teacher. I, I want to mention this on the pod before. It was, it was Robert Dutton of This Is the Yum Yum fame. 
Yeah. Yeah. That Robert Dutton. Mm. You put Dutton in a headlock and made him chew a bar of soap in an art lesson. Chew a bar of soap? Proper old carbolic art room gritty soap. Yeah. Why? Because he told Mr. I can't, Mr. L to fuck off. The thing was, he, he the, the art teacher had told two kids yeah. to basically uh, come and see him about it. But the one who told him to fuck off just left. And then Yum Yum yeah. told him to fuck off, stayed, and had to eat the soap. And then the one who left was my mate Ryan. This is weird. This is quite strange. I felt like I had a bit of an Ian Wright moment, actually. Because I was talking about Ryan before, and he said he was a bit of a. He was my best mate when I was in the first year, but he ended up getting with a with a bad crowd, and yeah, yeah, he died a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mentioned this at rugby league the other day to one of the dads, and he was on about something. I said, "Oh yeah, well Ryan, I probably went." Oh, I said, oh, what? "He says, oh, he's old nightmare." I said, "Oh, he was." He said, "No, he is." What do you mean he was? I said, "He's dead, isn't he?" He said, "No." He said, "There was a rumor that went round that he was dead." Right. He said, "I said well, it was. It's all over Facebook." He's not dead at all. No, he's not dead. <laughs> You're going to try and get in touch? No, shouldn't have thought so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. What if he wants to become a Patreon? Oh, yeah. I doubt it, mate. S- someone thought that... Uh, we put up the picture of that... Um, the, 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 the badge for the football shirts. Yes. After we were talking about Admiral last week. And someone thought that the MMXX, either side of it, wasn't just Roman numerals, but was a reference to... Mm. Perfect. I'm happy to take the we put well, that much effort the, into it. The cross is at sound that, phonetically. Yeah. So it's mm, mm. Yeah. Perfect. We've got we've got a yum yums mention. Someone also thought about the, the letters don't didn't weren't perfectly lined up with the circle. Yeah, but that's right, work. but, but that's that, but it, 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 it looks better like it is. Yeah, it wouldn't work with a D because the D would be too far over to the left. Yeah, it would look really odd. With an O, I would agree with you. Yeah. With a D, a D is not an O. <laughs> Well said. I mean, so, if there's one thing a D, yeah. isn't it? It's an O. It's not an O. <laughs> yeah. Well, if, in fact, if there's 25 things, yeah. D, <laughs> it's, an, it's an A, B, C, E, F, G, H, I, G. Yeah, exactly. Etc. you know. So the secret P that is inside the D. Yes. Yeah. Clever. clever. So that works quite nicely, but yeah, it wouldn't work because it would look too far over to the left. It's a bloody lovely badge, It's mate. a bloody lovely badge. And the shirt's a... Yeah. Oh, they really are. <laughs> yum, yum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to bite to play for that prison, against that prison team. You're going to play for a prison team? No, against a prison team. Remember something about it before? Yeah, 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 ages ago. But I think, but it's really short notice. It's this month, and I'm not sure I can get the time that I need to get up there to play. Hopefully, fingers crossed, people keep breaking the law, and they'll keep being prisoners, and I can play next year. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you want to play against Mike, yeah, then, you know, if, if you're close to getting yeah, out, you know, you know just... Yeah, maybe hit Snook, some snooker balls in a sock. <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever. Just, yeah, I mean, just behave badly. It's yeah. pretty low-level stuff, I think. Smash, smash up a bus shelter or something or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't need to hurt anybody. Possession just, of Class C's, something like that. Yeah. Class C's would be good. We're all against Class C's. <laughs> well, marijuana's Class C, isn't it? Is it? Or is it going back to B now? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, okay. I think coffee's a Class C drug. <laughs> <laughs> you've, been, uh, you've been prepping, haven't you? You've been... How's your beans? You've, you've been in your Colombian den growing yeah, coffee yeah. beans. It's um How's your drip uh, going there? They're not they're not Colombian, they're uh, they're Rwandan. <coughs> oh, imagine the egg on my face. It was gonna be uh beans from Burundi um, yeah. or Rwanda. Uh, not really a Colombian guy, a bit embarrassing. <laughs> 
different uh, cupboards for both. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. You don't want them to no. get the smells. You don't want to cross-pollinate or any of that no. kind of stuff. So. Do, they, do they taste like coffee when you make them? No. That's, no. That, no. that's, that's the genius of, of a Panamanian guiche bean, is that it actually doesn't taste like coffee. It tastes like lemons. It tastes like pomegranate. It tastes is like it? sherbet. It doesn't taste like coffee. Just gives you that off mm, lovely, bu- lovely buzz. Haribo coffee, yeah? <laughs> the beer 52 of coffees. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I've, I've really fucked up if my coffee tastes like coffee. I'm having a dough egg burp at the moment. Instant. Very nice. You're not used to single origin, so you, th- you, you have a very prescriptive idea of what coffee should taste like, and I feel sorry for you, Mike. What? <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you right now, and I'm not on a backhander from these people, for obvious reasons, but it'll become apparent, right? Yeah. The nicest coffee... Mm. That I drink on a fairly yes. regular basis. Yes, is McDonald's coffee amazing? McDonald's white coffee is really nice coffee. What I call really nice, really nice. <laughs> Can I have one of your really nice coffees, please? And do you know what? If you get a McDonald's coffee, don't get it with. Sh- if you t- usually take sugar, don't have sugar with it. Right. And when you come home, yeah, get soft demerara sugar. Yeah, half a teaspoon of that in it. Okay, lovely, absolutely bang on. That's a lovely cup of coffee that is. <laughs> I can recommend it. And anyone who says that it's different is a fucking snob. And that's the truth. I was on the train once, I think I told you, and I, I mentioned like on a, a can of Carlsberg, it was lovely. Yeah, Freezing yeah. cold, it was bloody lovely. And they sent me a lot of free beers. This is before the podcast. Just said, oh, thanks for that. You know, a bit of love. We don't get a lot of love on, online about our stuff. It's great. There's a reason they sell loads of Carlsberg. It's very nice. Oddly, I, I'm with you on beer. Yeah. I've, I, I've, I'm not particularly interested in... Um, a really beer. cold or lager. Beer. Yeah, I just wanted to yeah. taste like beer. I just wanted to, want to be cold. Yeah. Well, I like a nice hot coffee to taste like coffee. Yeah. No, no, no. no. That's, that's where you're wrong. Of, <laughs> no, 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 no. Of pecan, butterscotch, blood oh, orange. God. Can you actually taste those things, though? Yeah, you? yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, um, oh, there's some incredible tasting notes. Oh, I, could take, I could take you to some places, Mike. I'm not sure I want to go there, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can. You know, it's like it's like the Clean Peninsula. You could take me there. <laughs> Only joking. Nothing against, nothing against the Clean, of course. No, very nice. It's funny because there's a landlord saying he's banned in the Clean. He's banned uh, rugby and football being shown in the pub because he was causing aggro. I thought, well, when you speak to people from North Wales, mm. they've all got stories about having fights in Clean, in mm. the Clean Peninsula. Yeah. Yeah. I think they don't think it's related to the football or the rugby. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's related to the pub. <laughs> they like to fight people they call not from the sleep and yeah. <laughs> Great. Now I'm gonna have to ban Ramsey's kitchen nightmares from being shown in the pub. <laughs> it's caused another yeah. fight. Yeah. Deal or no deal has caused another <laughs> afternoon bundle. Yeah. Oh that's good. The repair shop is getting banned. Thing that have caused a fight in the Sleep Peninsula this week include television, all sorts. <laughs> Radio, all sorts. General conversation, radio. lack of conversation. Coming from round here, not coming from round here. <laughs> looking at my missus, not looking at my missus. Being funny, not being funny. Not looking at my missus. <laughs> Are you not looking at my missus? <laughs> what's, what's wrong with her? What? <laughs> Why are you looking oh, at my missus? I suppose you think you're too good for it, do you? Why what are you on about now? Why aren't you looking at her? Why aren't you looking at my missus, you can't? <laughs> Alright, then I am looking at her. Oh, look at my missus! Oh, is it you? Oh! Do you just want to fight me? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Should we do away with the pretense? <laughs> yeah. You just want to have a bundle. Let's have a bundle. But it reminds me of that bit in this a bit in uh, the life of Brian, mm. where he goes, "For the last time, I'm not the Messiah, right?" And someone goes, "Only the true Messiah denies his divinity." He goes, well, "What chance have I got? In that case, I am the Messiah. He is the Messiah." <laughs> This is a paid advert from BetterHelp Therapy Online. Now, we all carry around lots of different sort of stress moments, whether it's like big or small. It could be as huge as, how am I going to pay the mortgage this month? Or, you know, I'm I'm ill, but I don't really want to talk to anybody about that because I don't want to make them feel stressed about it as well. Or, you know, it could be just something as small as, how am I going to get to school pickup in time? I've got a meeting, how do I change that? How do I move that? I forgot to cancel that. And lots of the time we keep it bottled up. And whether it's big or small, it can really start to affect us negatively. And therapy is kind of a safe space to get those things off your chest. So whether it's like coming up with plans to to organize your life a little bit better or whether it's just having someone to talk to about those things you don't want to stress out your mates or your family with. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable and entirely online. You will be matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and you can switch therapists at any time. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash distant. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash distant. Just before we move on, I am reading a book that is Mike Bubbins written all over it. It's by oh, David Hebworth. Mein Kampf. No, no, no. Did you used to own it? No. <laughs> One of Mike's old school books. It's called My Struggle by a chap called Adolf Hitler. Um, <laughs> translated from the original. Um, <laughs> I tried the original. Couldn't, didn't get on with it. It's, uh, it's called um, 1971, Never a Dull Moment. And it's Ooh, got music that was well. released in 1971. Oh, yes, but it also please. talks about what life was like in 1971. And it is just... Every, every line is Mike Bubbins. Oh, magical. It's weird. You sort of... 1971, even just before I was born, doesn't feel like that long ago. Yeah. And then you see mm. the prices and you see how, you know, what people were earning, about 20 quid a week on average. Mm. And like when Bowie went to America, most people had never been to America. There were actually huge cultural differences between Britain and America at the time because it was, it was actually quite a difficult place to get to. Mm. Yeah. So he was coming from a place that had one radio station, one radio station in, in the entirety of Great Britain that played pop music and three TV channels. Yeah. So then the plenty and the diversity and all of the different stuff that was available to, be, to him in America. And when he went to see the, the Velvet Underground, he tried to go up to Lou Reed, went up to the wrong bloke because it was actually quite hard to find out about stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you were David Bowie. When The Who or The Stones or Led Zeppelin would play... Like Leeds University, that's where Live Live at Leeds, the Who album is recorded. The audience is overwhelmingly male, overwhelmingly sober, because pubs closed at half past ten. The bands yeah. went on way longer than that. And they would all sit down. Because if you were into rock music, it was quite a sort of it was a very seriously quite chin strokey sort of art form. And it tended to be men buying albums as well. It was Tapestry by Carol King was the first album that women bought in big numbers because young girls especially tended to buy seven inch singles mm. it just feels like a different planet 
but a planet that Mike Bubbins really Sounds has invested a lot of well. time in. Oh, well, speaking of which, that radio show I do with BBC Wales, I'm loving it, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I'm getting to play all the tracks I want to play as well, like album tracks and B-sides and longer tracks. So the interview got lined up for the next... This will have already gone out by the time people hear this. Yeah. They've only lined me up with uh, Dennis Accorier from Dr. Hook. So this Saturday I'll be chatting to him. Wow, lovely. Love, I absolutely love Dr. Hook as well. Super fan. Uh, I went to see him a couple of years ago. I'm a super fan. It's ultra big time. And then next week, apparently, Susie Quattro, which would be good for no him. Amazing. And then to defend the 80s, because the premise of the show is that I take the 70s against other decades. Yes. Um, we've only got Pat Sharp on. Yes, he's, he's, please. He's, Pat Sharp. he's pro 80s. Yes. Come on. And they're trying to get hold of, which will blow my socks off if they do it, Mike Post who wrote every single amazing theme tune from the 70s and the 80s. Oh, like yeah. The Rockford, like the Rockford Files, etc. Mm-hmm. right? But speak his name with reverent pride, hopefully, David Soul. What? No Which, if I, if I interview David Soul, I'm retiring. That's a fact. What would you do for money? <laughs> Just walk around telling you my David Soul story. <laughs> You're 49, Mike. You haven't you haven't earned enough to retire. That's, that's not a good okay. business plan, Mike. <laughs> you know, I don't think in my head. I think in my heart. Yeah. Um. Find to be David Soul, I'll retire for a bit. <laughs> yeah, I'll retire for weeks. <laughs> if I then I'll start my job again. If if I interview David Soul for five minutes on BBC Wales on the radio, on a telephone, yeah. I'm gonna retire. And so the next thirty years of my life in absolute penury. <laughs> 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 I've ever told you my David Soul story. Yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Me, me taking my yes. foot off the gas, career-wise, won't adversely affect me when I've when I've got to go back to my career. No. Because <laughs> I, I I haven't got any savings. Mr. Boys and girls, this is Mr. Bubbins, your new PE teacher. <laughs> <laughs> right, Mike. Things have 64. changed since you taught last. They've certainly changed since you were at school. Corporal punishment <laughs> is now a no-no. I haven't thought that through. I'll probably stay. I'll probably keep working, but um. <laughs> David Soul, though, huh? Right, let's do the first round of clips. I would like, as Ellis found this one on Twitter this week and dared me or Mike to pick it, and neither of us bothered, Ellis has chosen this clip. This really made me laugh. It is, from what I can tell, some rucking. Only seven seconds long. Watch it. Um, Watch it, very easy to get hold of. It's on Twitter. Every sport, I think. If you haven't played that sport or haven't grown up watching that sport, every sport will have an aspect that looks really nuts to mm. the untrained eye. Yeah. Um, and I think that in rugby union, it's rucking. Now, again, I'll hold my hands up. Listen to this podcast. Well, no, I'm not a rugby expert. I'll leave that to Steph and Mike. You don't really get rucking like this in rugby anymore, do you? No. What you, no. No. At all. No. no. Um, Whereas very, when I was growing up, this is what rugby was. When when we went to when I went to school, I started secondary school in September 1992. There were some kids who hadn't played rugby. I had played a bit of rugby, and I'd watched it a lot with my dad. And not that we ever rucked like this in year seven, but certainly, I don't think I I think it surprised other kids more. But you couldn't you couldn't get away with this. I mean. In modern, in the modern game, could you? It would be completely. I mean, there'd be there'd be a lot of uh, the initial red shirts coming in from an offside position, so it's probably a pen stripes. There's all manner of yellow cards and red cards going on after that. But you know what, though, and, and it was funny because as soon as this clip went on Twitter, people 
say Scott Connell, let's be honest, Scott played a fairly good level of rugby. As in the, he's a British Lion, <laughs> played for Wales. Played for Wales in League and Union. A- amazing at Rugby League as well, right? Yeah. And we were just laughing. We're the same age. And this just happened. And we both played in the back row. This happened all the time. Not Maybe not to this extent. And this is, this is fairly full on, even by rugby standards. I've seen yeah. a lot worse than this as well, mind. But this is... Probably on the on the fruitier side of, of average, right? Yeah. Yes. And I showed Kenny the clip this morning. Mm. And she's like, "Oh my god! Imagine if Ben was playing with rugby or something like that." Because it looks a lot worse than it is. I don't think anybody from this clip is in any danger of getting injured. No, everyone's get. Every, they might get hurt. And you might get. You know, my back after a game of rugby would look like like a, a road crash. Sometimes there there's track marks all over the place, and you've got yeah. studs down your back, and you've got. You've got studs in your thighs and your inner thighs and your hands and your back of your hands and your arms. You very rarely, hardly ever broke a bone doing it. Yeah. You never got a bad injury doing it. People, there was a sort of an unwritten rule that you didn't go for people's head and neck. And you didn't really go for the genitals. Everything else was pretty much fair game. It's not, that's not going to really hurt you, any of that stuff. When I look at things like Jacqueline now in modern rugby, I find that a lot more dangerous. When you've when you got a bloke stood with, his, with, his, you know, with a nice wide base... Lent over a ball with his hands on the ball, trying to get, trying to trying to play the ball. So you you got the back of your neck and the and back of your head and your back to the opponents, and they're coming in at you, hitting you in the back of the neck with the shoulder. That's a lot. That's a lot more dangerous than old school rucking was. And old school rucking did speed the game up because you and there were certain teams you played against when you just knew you were going to get a fucking shoe in on the floor. So as soon as you're on the floor, you were like a cork in, in water. You just popped up onto your feet straight away. You didn't want to be on the floor. You don't want to go and play pill harriers and be on, lying on the wrong side of the ball. Because it was going to fucking hurt. I mean, it was going to, you know, se- seven or eight blokes with attitude problems were going <laughs> to... <laughs> we're going to trample all over you. Do you know what I mean? So it didn't happen. You just, you just bounced up. But I, of all my years playing rugby, when rucking was rucking... I think I I got my ear stitched once. And that was like a stray boot that I mentioned before. My mate Paul kicked me in the ear. I don't stray. He probably was deliberate. It was, he was deliberate boot, yeah. Yeah, but it was but it was fine. And that's not me trying to be bravado. I'm not trying to say that I'm, you know, there's nothing particularly tough or strong about that. It doesn't it doesn't hurt. Yeah, that's that's the point that I, I thought watching this is it looks awful. It looks It awful. looks like a pile of people and one man is climbing over the other people. Yeah, yeah. Which is what is happening. Well, well, the one fellow is actually, when he's going to town, he's going to town on one of his own players. No, his, yeah, I was going to say, it's, the, it's <laughs> the guy who goes in first and sort of rolls backwards. It's his own legs yeah. there, isn't it? And there always seemed to be a big difference between raking and stamping. That was common. Bill McLaren would always go on about this. So you get yeah. sent off for stamping. But raking was absolutely If you sort of jammed your foot into fine. a, you know, like six studs forwards, banging your foot into the middle of a rut. Yeah, and that looked bad. But if you ran over over a ruck, or you sort of you scrape back in a ruck, yeah, then that that happened all the time. Yeah, and I certainly don't think the game's safe because they got they got rid of rucking. So why was it outlawed then? Well, I think it's what exactly what I'm with Kelly today. Like Kelly, I've played rugby all my life. Kelly looked at it and went, "Oh shit, thank God Ben's not playing." Yeah, like, I said, well, "Do you know what? I didn't want to say this to Kelly. No, rugby's but- a lot more dangerous now than it was then. So if you're going to get rid of, say the the guy, the first red shirt that goes in." Okay, if you're going to get rid of him now, a lot of the time you will get your arm around him and do a judo throw, a croc roll, which is incredibly dangerous. And you're going to injure someone a lot more doing that than by climbing over him and pushing your studs and scraping his back, which is essentially what happens here. Even to do it legally, take off things like neck rolls and all the stuff that goes on these days, even legally, 
When I mean, the, the reason Sam Warburton, who's a fantastic physical specimen, the reason he's had to leave the game as a young man is because his neck was knackered, because he was, he was brilliant at the breakdown, brilliant, brilliant turning possession over, which is your job in the back row, really, and securing possession and turning it over. But yeah, but you're asking for a, a world of trouble now. People coming into you quite legally, into your neck, into your, you know, it just, it looked bad. I mean, and, and the other thing is, when you see blood, right? When you see blood on a pitch, it looks a lot worse than it is almost always, right? So you can cut your eye, you have a nosebleed, and you might be covered in blood. Yeah. And it looks bad. But it's just a nosebleed. It's fine. You might, you might, you might have broken your nose, or you, you might have just cut your eye a little bit. But your definition not... of fine is different to mine, but carry on. Well, no, but that doesn't... You might have just broken your nose, Steph. Then... Yeah, but Ow. we've all broken our nose. It, it hurts, but it's not, it's not the end of the world. So... And usually when you, when you get a nosebleed, you haven't broken your nose. You've just got a nosebleed. You're not as pretty as me. <laughs> I, I would be gutted, personally. Career-wise, this would I'm be handsome. <laughs> yeah. And I know I can't retire. That face pays his bills. <laughs> if you don't know what you're looking at, you watch that, you think, oh, shit. And then if someone gets up at the bottom of that and they're, they've got a white shirt on, there's blood everywhere, you think, oh, my son's not playing this game. Yeah. Well, really, it's a bit of blood. You cut yourself shaving. It's nothing. Wow. So why have the authorities outlawed the wrong thing and allowed the the more dangerous stuff? Purely, I, in in my opinion, it's purely perception. I think the breakdown is more dangerous now. I think, like I said, the game because the boys are bigger and stronger, and the girls and, and heavier and faster. Mm. The collisions are more serious. Mm. Yeah. The breakdowns are, are, are more serious. I mean, look at those that, in that clip there, and that's probably looking at the. the the foot, the quality of the footage is probably early mid eighties, maybe late eighties. Right, it feels eighties, yeah, definitely. Pro- there's no one there more than about fourteen stone. Look at it. Yeah, I'm always amazed when I look at programs from the nineteen eighties, and the forwards are some of them are thirteen stone, which is a hilarious weight to be a forward. I like being in a shower after a game, rake marks on your legs, your back's bleeding. You, you know, you, you feel you've been in a game, you know, and you're you're discussing your bloody scars with, with the next person. Nothing was ever serious or permanent, you know. And it did hurt at the time. It was supposed to hurt at the time. That's why you didn't want to stay on the floor. But you weren't out of the game for six weeks or two months or three months because you weren't in, you weren't injured. You were just in the you know going back to Lombardy. You were hurt. You weren't injured. I think they should bring it back. Imagine bringing it back, and then you 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 you'd get to show all the current players who've never done this. So first question: oh. Say right, any of your dads played rugby? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Any of them discuss rocking with you? Yeah, a little bit. No, no, we're not really allowed to do it anymore. <laughs> Press play on the video, please. You're allowed to do that now. <laughs> Off you oh go. Oh, God, it'd be brilliant. That and outlawing lifting in lineouts. Just going back to shit lineouts. I was going to mention lifting, because that's another thing that you th- you look at the old days, and it, it, it was quite laughable, right? Well, it's, it's very funny to watch. It is funny. But... But now, when you're six foot seven... Yes. ...being lifted by a bloke who's six foot four... Who's got who's got hold of you below your knees, so your head's fourteen feet in the air, and you get someone takes your feet out, you land on your back or your neck from there. You're fucked. Much more dangerous than Robert Norster jumping maybe seven or eight centimeters in the air <laughs> and tapping it back with his left hand. And that's great. And do you know well, what? Phil May watches on stood still. Yeah, smoking and, a fag. And you, yeah. you, had a, you had a slight advantage on a lineup in those days because you knew where the ball was going, right? But it wasn't cut and dried, right? It was the same with the, with the, with a scrum. You had a slight advantage in that your hooker was closer and you knew when the ball was coming in, right? You look at lineouts now, 
unless you're France and it's the 79th minute, right? <laughs> you know, what a great moment. <laughs> you should always, or nearly always, get your line-out ball. And scrums, more than that, you should have 95% of scrums. So, so what you're saying is now, where before, if you, if you knock the ball on or drop the ball or, ki- or kick the ball to touch, you've given up a bit of advantage. Now you've, you've given up the ball completely now. I mean, you've, you've given possession away. Those little things are punished much more severely now, mm. you know, and that slows the game down. I just, I just think, I didn't mind putting the ball in the middle of a scrum and you win 70% of your scrums and lose 30% of the time. It put jeopardy in the game. Same with the line now. When you watch a game now, if it's done properly, you know that, God, it's like with the advantage law. I watched that bloody Australia game the other day. They must have had the ball at one point for like 14 or 15 phases. Right. Because they know still... they've got a penalty. And there's no way of getting that ball back off them. That never happened when I was growing no. up. You just, you just, so at that point, once that penalty's given, you're either going to score a try or you're going to get a penalty kick. Yeah. There's the only two options. Just, I don't know. It's just, I liked it when it was more cut and thrust, when it was more back and forth. That's just me being old, I suppose. But I mean, I, I think this sort of rookie was part of that. But I think it's, um, it's fine and acceptable to, to, to point out the failings of the modern game in any sport. There are aspects of pretty much every sport that, are, that were better in the old days. I mean, it's not as bad anymore, but there was a time, around the time Greg Rosetsky was playing at Wimbledon, yeah, the really big servers, which especially in the men's game, almost eradicated the rally. And you would watch, you would watch tennis in the seventies. Rallies would last for ages, and it's exciting. Yeah. That's what I never enjoyed. That probably put me off tennis, if I'm honest. That Sampras era. Yeah, I know. You I mean, still it's not Agassi the same playing, anymore. It's not the same but, anymore. But certainly, around then. Yeah, but that means I haven't warmed as much to this current generation. Are amazing, so I should be absolutely hooked. By the latter stages of... I couldn't name you five tennis players these days. I can, but I can. can't name you five matches I've watched in the no, last five years. No, I mean, Wimbledon's five right now, isn't it? Yeah, and I watched the Murray one because the kids were trying to stay up. I, I haven't watched five games, but I should really be into you know Nadal, uh, Federer and Djokovic and Murray's careers... That, that should so, be a golden I mean, era for sport. Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic in particular—they're three of the all-time greats. And he's one of the all-time greats. Yeah, you know, if you put him into another era, he'd still be, you know, top four players. And you know, sports fans will talk about the seventies um, when it comes to the heavyweight, heavyweight boxers. Mm. You know, Frazier, um, Foreman, Ali, etc. Ken Norton. Oh, Norton. And people are still talking about that decade in the same way that tennis fans will be talking about right now in in half a century. But because there was that smashing serve era, I'm not as into it as I was well, when it was... And that's the problem with, with, well, again, this is my opinion, but of rugby now, the reason I love the, NR, the NRL is because of the six-tackle thing hmm. in rugby. You know, you, you're going to see a two-and-fro game because... And then also, though, what they do there well, I think, is they think, how, what, which part of the game do we not like? Well, let's, yeah. let's change that immediately. They, so that six again that they're doing now to speed things up, I love. They've changed the tackle height thing, which has gone down like a lead bloom or something, but I think, it's, I think it's a good thing to do. Yeah. Think, think of rugby union, the things that people don't like about modern rugby union. They don't like constantly resetting the scrums. They don't like the constant box kicking. They don't like the head injuries and the neck injuries. 
right? Well, you could change that. If you, if you went back to having a proper scrum, you know, to get the ball in the middle and, and it's, you know, and make it a contest, same, same with a line out. Everything takes so long now. You just like, Christ, forget. Just get the ball in. Also, it's just a re- it's just a restart. Let's go again. Come on. As someone who's watched a lot of old rugby recently, and then tried to watch modern stuff, I watched quite a bit of the Six Nations, the last Six Nations. It looks like a different sport. There's so much more space in 1980s rugby because all of the players are, um, all of the forwards, I should say, are usually on the floor. <laughs> Being, They're tied being, up doing something else. They're tied up, being raked. <laughs> but it, and then, especially for the scrum halves, as, some, as a as a layman, they're very head up. So you, you're head up, and then the decision you make is based on what's in front of you. Whereas when I watch modern rugby, it seems to be like sort of set plays, almost like an NFL. And then it just it, it doesn't look like an organic game then. And I think it's less... There seems to be less initiative being shown than the, the rugby I grew up watching, which I've gone back to watching because um, I show it to my dad. It doesn't look like a modern sport. No, it looks like you're on the yard, someone's yeah. thrown someone to the floor, it and we're all like, going on top. It looks like one of those medieval sports that they'll play yeah. in Lincolnshire on New Year's Day. <laughs> yeah. A couple of cans of red stripe. Yeah. yeah. Type of you play when you piss. Getting kicked in the head outside William Hill. <laughs> Unfortunately, I landed on the ball outside Superdrug and now I'm in hospital. Someone spilled a, someone, someone spilled a hot coster on me. <laughs> all the people my age that I mates with that played rugby saw that clip were all like, oh, remember the good old days? <sighs> yeah. Oh, remember stud marks on your back? Yeah. Oh. There was nothing. There was love. That was a lovely little badge of honour. That was. It was a lovely little sting in the shower afterwards. Oh yeah, and of just like get the mud off this. Oh no, I have. I have been massively <laughs> raked down my back. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah great days. Great days. <laughs> right, Mike. Your clip for this round is remarkable and amazing, and I didn't see it coming. Yeah. So this is. Uh, a young kid at a high school in Rochester, New York. The clip's actually from about, about, about 10 years ago. I saw it a while ago, and then it came back to my attention uh, this week. Greece Athena High School in Rochester, New York, has a new most unlikely hero, a special ed student by the name of Jason McElwain. Let's keep it going. Jason is the basketball team manager. For the past couple years, he's been assisting coach Jim Johnson, helping with whatever the team needs. Get him motivated and uh, hand out water and just be enthusiastic. Enthusiastic, to say the least. Despite being born with autism, Jason's father says his son has never had a problem expressing himself at basketball games. You know, I was always concerned that he might get a technical and they lose a game because he, you know, start yelling or whatever. Let's have a hard practice tomorrow, all hour and a half, and let's get ready for Arcadia. Okay. Let's go. One, two, three, two. Because he has been so devoted to the team, for the last game of the season, Coach Johnson decided to let Jason actually suit up. Not to play necessarily, just to let him feel what it's like to wear a jersey. At least that was the plan. But with four minutes to go in last week's game, Coach Johnson stood up and pointed to number 52, Jason McElwain. After years of fetching water and toweling off other people's sweat, Jason was actually in a game. I absolutely love this clip. So if you don't, if you don't, if you're one of the people who doesn't watch the clips, 
uh, and a lot of high school programs over there, you'll have your, your, you know, your physical education teachers. You might have a, depending on the size of the high school, you might have a, a separate basketball coach, football coach, baseball coach. But you'll have people who help out the coaches, and they're, they're kids who help out the coaches, you know, assistants. So this kid here who's autistic, uh, he's, he's got special needs, um, but he loves basketball. He just loves the game. And his old man's there saying about how much he loves the game. He used to be worried about the fact that he'd give away what they call a technical, which means like a, a technical foul, which you can, if you shout the wrong thing or do the wrong thing on the sideline, you, you can give away a foul that way, right? Mm. So he, he got so into the game and he was there with, you know, the towels, mopping down the court, getting rid of the sweat, going to get the balls, doing all the stuff that the, the coach doesn't want to do, basically, or hasn't got the time to do. So end of the season... They stick him in. They they put him in the kit just to give him, a, you know, just to see what it feels like. And it's not like it wouldn't be like a, a, a high school game here with no one watching it. There's there's several hundred people, maybe yeah. a thousand or so people watching this game. They put him in the game so, at the end of it just to, just to let him know what it feels like. He, he the crowd cheering when he comes on. Yeah, oh, they like, cheer when he comes on. I thought I thought that's it. I thought yeah, that's the I moment. That. And you know this young lad with autism. They're giving him a game. I love the mm. coach now. I love his teammates. I love the other kids from the school because they've all cheered him coming on. But that that's just a well, bit of the thing. Yeah. Well, the coach says that. The coach says we just want them to feel, know what it, what it felt like. And he's been there for years doing the the lackey stuff, you know? Yeah. Takes a shot, misses. Misses, doesn't doesn't even hit the rim, right? Yeah. Uh, and they interview the kid and he's like, oh, so the first one was a complete air shot, you know? Um, second one. And then you would have thought, okay, the coach, you, you've had a shot. It's gone miles wide. Come and sit down. Well done. Big round of applause. Sit down again, right? Keeps him on the court, tries it again, misses, right? I think, okay, at this point, the coach is thinking, I've done my bit now, right? Third one, he puts in a three-pointer from the corner of the court, basically. Whiff, straight in. Yeah. Nothing nothing but net is in America. Yes. The place goes ballistic, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> ballistic. Right? Uh, limbs, scenes. Oh, limbs. Yeah, exactly. He then <laughs> slots through... Six three-pointers in a row. Six back-to-back three-pointers. Imagine. And he must have scored another two bas- another basket as well because he ends up with 20 points. So six threes, 18. So he scores a basket and six three-pointers in a row. How cool is it? I can't think of the last time an NBA player scored six three-pointers in a row. That's mad. And the place goes absolutely ballistic. <laughs> and and they, got him, they got him shoulder high. I thought, The whole on, crowd on. When he puts the last one in. <laughs> that's not just the best day of that kid's life. I... As a dad, that is the best day of his dad's life. I it's the best day of some of those kids' lives yeah, as well, yeah, I would yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the story. You you could win the state championship. You could do a lot. That's one of the stories you're telling everybody about and high school. It's yeah. it's there's a pitch invasion or a court invasion. Yeah. yeah. And everyone is. I mean, it's proper winning the title on the last day of the season limbs. Yeah. 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 And obviously, because of because of well, that one's on the buzzer. Yeah. Yeah. So because is. of the culture of high school sport, there's so many people watching. And it would have felt like the most important game in the world to everyone involved. I watched it because, like, like Mike and like Steph, I assume the video would end about a minute before it does. I thought that's it. I thought that he's having a game and that's it. And then he misses and blah blah blah. But it's still a really lovely moment. When they're all carrying him off, shoulder high, I thought, why haven't they made a film of this? Well, this it is felt, the most filmed. It felt like every eighties movie life. I ever watched. Yeah, but. It actually feels too unrealistic. Yeah, if yeah. this was an 80s movie, 
You go, oh, what, he carries on scoring three-pointers? Well, they never played yeah. him before, bollocks. Yeah, well, exactly. Mm. But again, as has been proven time and time again on this podcast, those moments that in fiction would be, uh, you know, unbelievable do happen. This is the end of a game. He scores 20 points at the end of a game. <laughs> Does he start the next week? You've got to start him with, in form like that. What I'm wondering then is, it's like, well... Actually, this isn't now a ridiculous option. What an impact, sir. I might, I yeah. might wonder if, like, um, I've seen things about savants before when you watch. There was one who was, a, who was a, an autistic kid who was um, uh, artistic, right? loved, but he had a, like a photographic memory. And they, they drove him past the Houses of Parliament. I watched this doc years ago. And you, just, and you see him looking out the window like this, staring at it. They take him back home. Well, he draws the Houses of Parliament, every window pane, every everything. It was it was incredible the detail on it, right? Or kids who can listen to a symphony, sit down and play it, you know, without the music. Yeah. Know? So there's that part of the brain that can really attend to stuff. So I, I'm wondering if when he got in that zone there, and he says, "What did he say?" He says, "I was hot as a pistol." He says, "Wasn't he?" I love he that. That's yeah, very goes, cool. Yeah. I was hot as a pistol. When you make a good three pointer, or when you hit a good golf shot, when you hit a good cricket shot, or you throw a dart in the treble twenty. The, the hard bit then is to, is to blank all that out and just try and re- repeat that without overthinking it. So I wonder whether there's, I, I might be, I, this is not much to do him a disservice, I wonder, but I wonder whether a part of his brain works then yeah. in a different way to me, URL. It just goes, I'll just do the same thing again. It worked the last time. Flip. That's interesting. I'll, ju- I'll just do the that same thing again. That is interesting. Because it, it was incredible what he did. It's remarkable, I find. You know what yeah. you don't think about? If you're sat in the, in the, in the office, you're not thinking about anything, you roll, you roll up a bit of paper and you just chuck it at the bin without thinking bathroom yeah. goes in right yeah invariably you can't do that the second time because you then think about what they did the first time then but that's that's every sport isn't it is trying to get into that not zen like state but the state where you're not trying to bowl fast not trying to think about it yeah I'm yeah. not trying to do the mechanics the best golf this. shot I've hit in years was I played my mate Luke about a month or two ago yeah I, I played it right the first nine it was okay we sat down at the nine holes I think I told you. Um, and I had a, we, had a, we had a Cuban cigar each, a little Cuban cigar, and a can of beer, right? That was our little celebration. Yeah. One beer, one cigar. I felt a bit lightheaded. Ooh, I stood up. All I was thinking about was trying to just stay calm and stay relaxed because I, I felt a bit dizzy. Yeah. The drive was something else. I thought, my God, why can't I do that all the time, <laughs> right? Because I'm thinking about it too much. There was all, an article the in The Athletic about how to win semi-finals. Smoke. Talking to people who, <laughs> talking to people who've who've won important semi-finals, they were saying that the second you treat a semi-final differently to a normal game, you're in yeah. big trouble. What about finals? <laughs> yes, we got past the semi-final. Yeah, they, they didn't actually discuss finals. Like, yeah, well, that's it. Isn't it? Just get into the final. That's, that's the important bit. But you once you're in the final, treat it as differently as you want. <laughs> Have a different breakfast. Get up yeah, earlier, if anything. Different breakfast. <laughs> Yeah. Play a different sport. Have a fry, Just yeah. do a different sport. Play Have a different a position. You're already there. Fuck it. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. What? Just enjoy it. You've done the hard thing. You've done the hard yards going goals. Horse swap position. <laughs> what? What? Are you sure, boss? Yes. How hard can it be? We've got this far. Terry, you're number nine today. Oh. Uh, Lee, four. Right. Where's Mason Mount gone? Mason, you're in goal. Come on. Come on. You were good <laughs> we're in We're going to have a bit of fun day. today. Don't cry. Don't cry, fun. Mason. <laughs> bit of, that'd be great. Just players enjoy it. Yeah. Remember, Jordan, you're up front with Harry. It's a, it's a European final, though, boss. No, just no, enjoy. Just enjoy. That's all I want. So I just enjoy playing my position, though. 
doing the interview afterwards. Did you see the smiles on their faces? You got beaten 8 0. Did you see the smiles on their oh, faces? He was absolutely beside himself. His dad was chuffed. Why did you play Raheem Sterling in goal? Oh, yeah, fun. He loves to jump about. Look on Harry Kane's dad's face after that game. <laughs> When he saved that penalty. <laughs> Harry's dad came up to me and said he's always wanted to play in goals. We had a little chat about it. YOLO, isn't it? <laughs> you know, you might never be here again. You might never be here again in this you European final. You can always say that, that he's played completely out of position in a European <laughs> final. I wanted to give them excuses. How many strikers can say they've played in goals in a European final? And he's had so many, he's had so many games up front. <laughs> he's done that he's scored loads, loads he's been up front since he was six years of age yeah. it's time for a change he's scored so many I was watching this clip I, I showed when I showed Kelly this clip mm. she's in tears watching it I was in tears first time I saw this right if you're his dad you know it's probably been a struggle to get him into mainstream school maybe I don't know the ins and outs of mm-hmm. it but every we said we, and we mentioned this before everything in that kid's life would have been a bit more difficult right yes and, and for his dad and his mum would have been a bit more difficult and you get on that stage, and all you want is your kid to have fun, be happy, not be laughed at, not be fucking made to feel stupid. So the fact that he's on there, and then he's and then he's your best player, and then he's the top scorer, yeah. And then the whole school, not just the team, carry him off the court shoulder high, cheering. Fucking hell! It's the yeah. most one of the most joyous things I've ever seen in my life. I love it. If, if, do you know what? Spend three minutes of your day, make your day immeasurably better, and just yes. watch this for 180 seconds. I didn't see many. I thought, oh, this is a lovely story. Yeah. I didn't think about, you know, then it gets to the kitting up part, and you think, oh, beautiful, I love this coach. He comes yeah. on, you think, brilliant, that's ace. He misses the shot, I felt bad. Yeah. And then, oh, my God, you, you do have to spend a bit of time watching <laughs> it's so this. so good, isn't it? It's, it's beautiful. Oh, I loved it. It's absolutely beautiful. <sighs> Sport. My clip for this round is something that makes me think about sport every time I hear it. Oh my god. I'll play a little bit of it. Now, who will it be? It's McAllister. Oh! He made it look simple, but it was a wonderful free kick. Lee. Watson again. Good cross, flicked on. Oh, Allen! What a good goal! It's Malcolm Allen. So, yes, by the time you listen to this, Ian Brody's other song will either not be being played anymore or being played all the time. But, Life of Riley for me. Yeah. is football. It is yeah. goal of the month. Just, I didn't even know it was a song for a very long time. Yeah. I, I just thought it was the thing off of goal of the month. Yes, and then I someone told me it was Lightning Seeds, and I thought, I have to own this. And I didn't know what it was called, and I bought the Lightning Seeds album, Jollification. Yes. Um, which doesn't have it on. No, but it has some great singles. It does, but, yeah. but I, I wasn't buying jollification. So I remember. What lucky I, you? No, I remember. <laughs> I remember buying jollification and thinking, "Great, now I get to listen to the goal of the month music," and skipping through every track. A lot of pressure on the final track, thinking, 
This had better Ian. be Life of Riley. This had, this, had, this had better be the goal of the month music. And then it wasn't. I was absolutely devastated. I really got to like the... I've been to see the Lightning Seas live. Really, really like them. And Ooh. I like Ian Brody. I just thought that this was a song. I just thought it was just... Yeah, I thought it was library music. Yeah. Just like something they'd found. I love it when that happens, though. I I used to love watching Formula One as a kid. Yes, yes, same thing. yes. And then yeah. I remember being in Mum and Dad's front room, going through their record collection when I was getting, you know, my t- as a teenager. They had a lot yeah. of vinyl in there. Yeah. Put put rumours on. Listen to the chain. That's a good yeah. track. They're Great doon, tune. Do do do. I thought, oh my oh, god. Is there a fo- is, is there a Grand Prix oh, on that? Yeah. This is an actual song. Bruce Horn's been the range, uh, which was the grandstand music. And we've got rugby league as Castleford yes. play. With the, so that's what they used to, that's when they were the discussing what was about to come up on grandstand. Yeah. You should bring Lather's crew. She'll take some stuff. They would play Bruce Hornsby on the, the range. Little things like that where a generation will know that it's a song. Yeah, we've got athletics from Sheffield and Rugby Union, of course, as Leslie take on Neath. But this Life of Riley, I mean, that was... Do you know what, watching this clip as well, a couple of things. One is, don't we realise at the time how how poor t- the t- the quality of the actual TV shot was? Yes. I know it's yes. a YouTube clip yeah. of it, but... Even when you see ones on archive shows, they're not great quality. Fucking, pardon my French, how good is Matthew Tissi? Yes! Oh, my God. Do you know what? That first goal is like, if Maradona did that, they would be talking about it now. He sort of back heels it with the outside of his foot. Then he controls it. Then he chips it up. And then he volleys it. I was like, Christ, on a bike. Not not only (laughs) is Life of Riley the archetypal goal of the month music. Steph has somehow chosen the archetypal month for goal of the month. I, I spent a long time on this. It's got two Matletissiers in it. And I, my friend Dan was telling me that apparently they did a roundup of the season and they do goal of, obviously then it became goal of the season, and there were no Matletissiers. Well, and Dan was watching it with his mate Sam and they looked at each other like, what, what? Until Des Lynham said, come on. And then there was just a Matt Letizia only sequence. Really of brilliant. Because what a you know, it's that old adage of uh, not a great goal scorer, but a scorer of great goals. Every goal he scored was one that would just make you gasp. And he sort of never got the credit he deserved because he stayed at the same club. And also he was, he was unlucky really because he came of age at a time when English football was particularly distrustful. Or distrusting of his kind of flair, so he was seen as someone who who was unreliable and didn't work hard enough. Just show off, yeah. He's basically yeah, that's a, a bit of a yeah. show off. He's, he's trying too hard, if anything. That's too entertaining. No, Drop no, him. no, no. <laughs> and, and and again, you know, um, if he had gone to Man United, maybe things would have been different. But I think he ended up with eight caps. Ridiculous. Matt I think because he was born in Guernsey, I think he was eligible for France. I think he was eligible for... And all four home nations. Yeah, all of the home nations, because he was born outside... If you were born Channel yeah. Islands... If you are a crown protector, you can play yeah. for any, any one of them. Because Budge Poutney wound up playing for uh, Scotland on that basis. He I was think. absolutely amazing at penalties as well. At his yeah, he was. I think he scored 47 from 48. Really? That's yeah, pretty Which well. is just... Oh. 
nuts. There's a, there's a lot of crack. I mean, that Ali McCoy score. The Ali McCoy score is, is, is a brilliantly executed overhead kick. But I don't know what it is about it that it still looks not as good as other overhead kicks. Yeah, no, you mean, yeah. it, I don't know what it, it looks like. He's trying to go towards the ground rather than the air. One thing I noticed about this: this is October '93, so that Rangers goal is at Ibrox. Ibrox looks completely different now, and it just looks so old-fashioned. And when I think of Matt Letizia, I think of that brilliant Frank Skinner routine about Matt Letizia, where he says, "If I was the Matt Letizia of stand-up." I would just stand on the stage for 89 minutes and then I would tell one joke. <laughs> but that one joke would be fucking unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's also it's perfect, really, because it's got a Malcolm Allen uh, oh, goal in it. Absolutely. Great strike. Counter it's got that. a Gary Speed it's got a Gary Speed yep. goal in it. It's First got one. two Matt Letissiers. Jeremy Goss. I think those Letissiers are in the same... Are they the same game? Yeah, they are. Yeah, the Letissier goals are. It's got a Cantona. Yeah, and the thing I noticed is um, they don't do this anymore. The goal of the month, it is literally the best goals from that month because it's goals from different competitions. There's one from the SBL, there's Scotland, one from the yeah. UEFA Cup, whereas now it's just the Premier League goals of the month. Again, see? Progress. How is it, how is it progress? Malcolm Allen to our Welsh listeners will still be very well known because of his commentary work mm. ah! he was a, he, yeah and the least impartial commentator certainly outside of South America any, anybody who's criticised any of the commentating during the Euros from whichever nation as being partisan you just yeah. need to watch, li- watch a bit oh, of yeah. Mal he's Argentinian it's, it's, it's hilarious I mean it does sound they, someone, I think it might be David Owens. Is he worse than Jermaine uh, Genus? The journalist. I think he, he, he made a YouTube video, and it's Malcolm Allen's reactions to all of the goals we scored at the Euros in 2016. And he sounds like he's being teased. After <laughs> 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 then, it did make me laugh because he did. Um, <laughs> he he was doing in studio uh, punditry. For the group games, so he wasn't out. I don't think he was out in Baku. He was back in Cardiff, presumably, uh, because he was wearing a short-sleeved shirt with a tie. It looks like a bus driver. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a look that many people go it's for, a is terrible, it? Terrible look. Isn't the, it? <laughs> if you know you're taking your jacket off at any point, do not wear a short-sleeved shirt with a tie. No. Yeah, I think it's odd. I can't wear short-sleeved shirts. They just make me look like a schoolboy, even though I'm forty. You need to have huge forearms to get away with a short-sleeved shirt. I think if it's a shirt like the one you've got on there, which is like a relaxed show shirt, if Me? you like, it's ne- yeah, y- yours isn't supposed to go with a suit. No, mine's a floral sort of golf shirt with a collar, yeah, it's not a... I-, I think you can get away with that. I think that looks good. But I think if you added a tie and a blazer to it, I would be asking you what time we were stopping at the services. <laughs> Although I did like you, you put a clip up of Schmeichel and Casper uh, Schmeichel and, and it was one that P- Peter Schmeichel put it up. And Peter Schmeichel's got a Yosemite, he's got a Yosemite Sam tie on. It's amazing. Do you, but we all had novelty ties in, in the sort of nineties. Do you remember? I had loads of those. I had, a, I had, um, Ella would love this tie. If I, if I still had it, Ella, I'd send it to you. I had um, Good Day Sunshine Beatles limited edition tie, which was amazing the artwork on it. But also I had Captain America ties. I got a. Behind me, hanging up somewhere, is a Vince Lombardi tie. But people had like Bugs Bunny ties and Mickey Mouse ties, and it was the it was, the, had, it was the death thrall of the tie. Before people just thought, "This is fucking pointless. Just don't wear a tie." 
I had a tie. <laughs> On the tie was hundreds of little mice. But in the middle, but in the middle of the tie, there was a, a small piece of cheese. I just want to explain to your kids now that we used to go to a shop called Tie Rack that just sold Tie Rack. <laughs> and they were all the mice were looking at the cheese. It's like the sweater but shop. But the mouse closest to the cheese looked happiest. <laughs> Which I would wear to weddings. You, there were more. You look better without a tie on than with that tie yeah. on. Yeah. I mean, they were like Costa Coffee. There was a tie rack in every town, <laughs> village, and in airports. There were tie racks. Where you'd, yeah, yeah. Do you know where you'd get tie racks? You'd get them in airports and stations because people would turn up at their destination, realise that they'd forgotten a tie, and they needed an emergency tie, which is and you get like a three phrase that no longer exists. Quid. Or you have the novelty ties, like I said, Superman ties and Captain America ties. Shit! I need an emergency tie. Where's Daffy tie Duck when you need it? And they would sell like silk scarves. Then they branch into silk scarves, cufflinks. Very few people wear ties in offices these days. The people who do are very old. Yeah. Well, I saw. I saw. Depends on your job, I think. I saw a dad on the school run today who had full suit and tie on. I wonder why they still like Kelly's school. And a lot of schools still make. Well, else kids' school. Why they wear a tie to school? Yeah. Just seems such an anachronism. On the curriculum for this country at 16 years of age, there is still, like, write a letter to your local MP. You're like, why? Why write a letter to anybody? I'll just send him an abusive tweet. No no one's one's written a letter for 20 years. What are you doing? (laughs) They really write guesses. That was the cricket. Send a a sarcastic tweet to your local MP. How to get blocked by your local set up MP. An anonymous, how to set up an anonymous email, <laughs> Twitter account and then abuse your local MP. The, the other one is I'd never worked in an office until after I graduated. And I remember waking up that morning and I was, how old was I, 22? Dear Kant. <laughs> but I was, I was very, very, like, you know, I was late. And I remember thinking, fuck, I need to shave. And I shaved and I turned up at the office and realised that none of the other men under the age of 50 had bothered. My, my yeah. first ever day at the BBC, I turned up full suit and tie. Yeah, yeah. And another guy, who it was his first day, turned up in shorts and T-shirt. And Shorts? Yeah, it was boiling hot <laughs> summer's day. Shorts. Brave. Yeah. He's a cameraman. And he'd got it right, Whoa. not me. All yeah, yeah, yeah. He nailed it. And I, do sh- I bet you shaved as yeah, well. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, my dad shaved every single day of his life. I think, when I think it was every part of his body. <laughs> shaved, shaved everywhere for his first day of work. My dad shaved everywhere, all the time. What? And they turned up in trunks. Just so everyone could see. It was all, just a posing yeah, all pouch. Like Duncan Goodhue, but from West Wales. No, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have. Um, it is unthinkable that dad would have gone to the office not shaved. Yeah. I mean, like as unthinkable as if he'd if he'd spat at his boss. <laughs> My dad shaved every day to go to work. God, I've turned up the BBC looking some oh. looking in a right state. Well, do you know what? I was our friend Sharif, who's a lovely fellow and a he is. radio producer, right? Oh yeah, one of the absolute I was, best. He's a, such a lovely man. I was going to, I was going to a thing with the BBC about ten, eight, ten years ago, and right. I just sort of started doing comedy. It was a bit of an in. And we were going up to, I was going to meet him up at the, in BBC Lander. And I had, like, rugby shorts on, a pair of trainers, and a T-shirt, right? Yeah. And he just went, are you, uh, are you, are you wearing that up there? I went, well, I was going to. No. He went, okay. I said, well, should I? Well, no, it's up to you. What you want, what you want. I said, um, well, should I not, well, not wear this? He went, 
Well, you might want to put a, just a something a bit different on. Maybe just a. Tra- he was tra- too polite trousers? to say it. And I, I thought, <laughs> yeah. Trousers? And they were proper like short rugby shorts as well. So I thought, well, <laughs> real <laughs> nut huggers. Like and I would never do that now. I, you know, obviously, but at the time I was, um, I don't know, confident. Well, no, stupid. I didn't have standards like I got now. Right. I think I let myself go a bit, and you just end up thinking, oh, fuck it, what's the point? But if you're a PE teacher, surely most of your attire going to work would have been nut-hugging shorts, hoodie, mm-hmm. whistle. They are about bringing in a PE uniform. We're like, I don't know a uniform. I'm not going to wear a fucking... Fuck off. No one else wears a uniform. Who else wears a uniform? Not a fucking man. Well, where's your geography uniform? Where's your history <laughs> Your geography history yeah. uniform. You don't come not that kind of uniform. Yeah, you're not, I didn't go into teaching to be told what the fuck. You're not man. wearing fucking leader hose and talk about the Second World War, are you? So why have I got to wear fucking. I am a fucking maverick teacher. I'll wear what's suitable for my job, thanks. And that is a pair of shorts and a t shirt that says, Take me to your dealer. <laughs> Big cannabis leaf on it. Addy hash, it says. Just Addy yeah. hash. Yeah. <laughs> Gives you speed. <laughs> a stylized joint saying, Just smoke it. <laughs> what? what are you doing? <laughs> My T-shirt says it's got the Ford logo, but instead of Ford, it just says "fucked" on it. <laughs> <laughs> Pair of short rugby boots. <laughs> Let the lesson commence. Tackling practice, boys. <laughs> At the end of today's lesson, you will be fucked. <laughs> they got to learn. They have got to learn. Andy <laughs> Hash. Why do they sell that shit on all of I don't know. Who buys that stuff? Yeah, my cousin, my cousin had that T-shirt. I said I'll make Nick Helm, right? He's a friend of me and Al. I was on holiday in, uh, I always think I was in like one of the Greek islands with Kelly. I thought, oh, that'd be nice for Nick. He's just moved into a new house. Yeah. I'll send him um, a wooden bottle opener in the shape of an eight-inch cock. <laughs> and there were loads of them. They all want a Peroni. And there was like a red, there was a red, gold, and green, um, like raster colours with a big ganja leaf on it. Fucking yeah. catapult. <laughs> <laughs> I went to go and see the Colossus of Rome. Violent rasters. <laughs> fucking ganja leaf catapults and fucking big wooden cocks. Oh. What's your job then? I sell shit. <laughs> I sell real shit. And odd people on holiday buy it. Why? Who buys it? I don't know. Uh... Well, and why is it always in raster colours? It doesn't matter where you go. <laughs> I wouldn't mind if I was in Jamaica. I was in fucking Lindos. <laughs> <laughs> what did you get from what? Egypt, Mike? I got a ganja grinder. Um, <laughs> a fucking grinder. raster catapult and a wooden cock. A grinder. <laughs> and a stylized cap t shirt with two people fucking. <laughs> <laughs> It's not exactly the fucking Elgin marbles, is it? I had this moment of clarity on holiday. I've completely changed my look. What I like now is rude clothes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I want to launch my own brand regular home called Cumbro. Yeah? <laughs> Just two blocks having a wank in a diamond. I got the logo sorted. Oh. I got it all sussed, like... Cumbro, right? Yeah, and then and then uh, t-shirts that sell Puma, and there's just load of load of pictures of anal sex on the t-shirt. Then Puma, <laughs> sell like fucking hot cakes now. Puma, recock. <laughs> You're an ideas machine. <laughs> fucking all the fucking gear, like you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> if I was at someone's house, 
<laughs> having a bottle of beer. Oh. I said, sorry, mate, you've got a beer up in it. And they gave me a big eight-inch <laughs> bottle. <laughs> it was abs- a gift, it was, off balance. I would be absolutely... He did stunned. love it, weirdly. But, you know... <laughs> well, I guess you'll get a next birthday. <laughs> Send it up with his bar of chocolate only. Yeah. In an envelope. Right, let's do uh, the documentary. This week, Ellis, it was your choice. Yes, my documentary for this week is something I've had my eye on for a long time, and it's called Skidrow Marathon. The running club started a year and two or three months ago. My involvement gives me the ability to impact lives in a way that I cannot as a judge. The total state prison commitment for Mr. Williams is 71 years, four months, to life. Thank you. David was one of the first members of the running club. I slept up under here for maybe two years. I'm down on Skid Row, you know, I'm better than this. No, no, I'm not, I'm not better than that at all. I got no hope. That's where I wound up, Skid Row, and I lost everything when I went down there. I said, what gang are you guys from? I started shooting at them. And um, I seen them both fall right there in the driveway. One horrendous act does not define a person in his or her entirety. I came in the mission at 300 pounds. Judge Mitchell came in, oh, I'm starting a running club. I couldn't waddle down the street. I waddled down the street and just, oh, God, I'm dying. You do not wake up one morning and say, you're going to run a marathon. You have to be focused, you have to be disciplined, and you really have to be committed to the proposition. I just kind of thought, as a drug addict, this is my lot in life. But what running did is it gave me my fight back. It gives us our fight back. No matter where we come from, we can do anything and attain the impossible. He doesn't spend money on anything, nothing, except running shoes, plane trips. 35 years of drugs and addiction, 10 years sleeping on the streets of Skid Row, and here we are in Africa. Modi is not running with us this morning. Okay, uh, major relapse. I'm an elite super athlete. Oh, God. I'm not? Your legs are, like, falling off at the end of every run. People question, why are you spending this kind of money to take people halfway around the world? It's just, it's such a big deal being here. It's not just about homeless people running in Rome. Giving someone from Skid Row an opportunity to come to a glorious city is incredibly empowering. It gives them dignity, and that's what this is about. Okay, so in brief, Craig Mitchell, who was a Los Angeles Superior Court judge, um, leads a long-distance runners club out of uh, the Midnight Mission, which seems to be a homeless hostel on Skid Row. Skid Row, obviously, is a, is a real place. It's not a figure of speech or a saying. It's a part of LA where, where that's got a very big homeless community. There's a, there's, there's a band as well. And a band, yeah. And the thing with this long-distance running club is that, I mean, it's, it's almost too good to be true. This is the second time I've said that. But it ends up giving this incredible sense of purpose to homeless people, to addicts, people who are, are coming out of the prison system. He's a, a Los Angeles Superior Court judge, and he, I think, feels 
an odd sense of guilt that he's constantly um, sentencing people to life imprisonment. Mm. And there's one person in particular called Raphael who was involved in uh, the gang scene. Yeah. Which I think lots of people in the part of LA that he grew up in are involved in. And he killed another gang member in 1982. He did 29 years, 11 months in prison. And since then, you know, has repented and feels tremendous, overwhelming remorse. And has devoted... He's the real redemption story. Yeah, and has devoted his life to improving the lives of others. You know, you can't take away the fact that he that he, he killed another gang member in cold blood. Mm. You know, I, I also don't think you can deny his contrition and his remorse. Yeah, he, he, he is an, an, an amazing redemption story. There's also there's Ben Shirley, who's a musician who was in a band who uh, had a big record deal, moved to LA to make it, that he got involved in. He supported in, Metallica. Yeah, yeah, got involved in um, all sorts of uh, drug problems. And then he ends up in prison, he's an alcoholic, and he, you know, he ends up with $11,000 worth of driving fines and all kinds of stuff. Rebecca from Seattle? Yeah, so she is... She's an interesting story. Yeah, so she grew up in what seemed to be a, a fairly middle-class suburb of Seattle. But then yeah. she ends up becoming an alcoholic and, you know, her life goes off the rails. And they all find this incredible sense of purpose in long-distance running. Now, as I said before Mike's clip about the autistic boy from Rochester in New York, why haven't they made a film out of this? Because with Skid Row Marathon, we've watched a few documentaries over the last couple of months where there hasn't actually been a happy ending. So I'm thinking of uh, the story of the gay rugby team where they lose in the semi-final. Or that school and their football team, they don't, they don't make the playoffs. We're in this. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's got a very, very uplifting, happy ending to the story. Now, there's one, there's one guy called David who was involved with gangs, I think, and all sorts of stuff. And he's been in prison for a long time. But he's a tremendously talented artist. And yeah. what, what the judge does is he chooses these worldwide global marathons and then he raises funds and he takes them because it's his way of saying, listen, there is a world outside of your, your immediate vicinity. Because of your horizons are so narrow because of the way you were brought up or where you were brought up or the, the, the social problems you found yourself involved with as a young person, a lot of you haven't realised there's a big wide world out there and you haven't seen it. So with David, he's a fantastic artist. Mm. He comes out of prison um, and he's trying to make it as an artist. And they do a marathon in, uh, it's Ghana, isn't it? Yeah, in and Accra. They, yeah, that's it. And he's like, right, so the next marathon is going to be Rome. I really want you to come to Rome because the thing is, A, I want you to come because I like you and you're my friend. But also the art and the museums in Rome will just blow your mind. Yeah. So you have to you have to see this stuff because you're not mm. going to get another chance. A lot of them don't have passports. Raphael doesn't have a passport and he's on parole, so it's very difficult for him to get a passport. And this judge, his dedication to improving the lives of prisoners... He's a remarkable bloke, is Mitchell. absolutely, absolutely extraordinary. And there's the fellow from Senegal who f- falls off the rails and they just... they got a zero-tolerance approach yeah. the mission because they have to because they have to with have. the zero tolerance approach that is something in my small experience in this that is something that tends to happen in the more religious charities mm-hmm. um which don't happen as much in other charities it's also a number like the, the start at the end of that and it's, it's got worse in the last t- and this is four or five years old now i think of where where i'm from 
Barry in South Wales is a decent-sized town, just shy of 50,000 people. Okay. You know, a lot of people, big schools, and it's a, it's a decent-sized town. There's 57,000 homeless people yeah, in Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? 57,000 homeless people. Jesus Christ. I mean, there's that bit when they're at the mission, is it's in that part of L.A., and it's just a complete tent city around there. You can't get anywhere near yeah. it with this. There's homeless people everywhere. And there's a, obviously a real... The waiting list for a, for a bunk there must be must be massive. So that, and this judge and he said he so he sent us some bloke down, and he's in his chambers one day and a bloke that he'd sentenced to a lengthy sentence turns up and he doesn't say this. But you, you must be thinking, fuck, it's payback time, right? This bloke's coming to get me. Yeah. And he says, can you come and help out with the mission where where I've been and what can you do? And he's got some balls for a kickoff because they all a lot of those people know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, and to turn up there in a pair of shorts and a vest and a pair of running shoes. Yeah. I think, bloody hell, mate. And he looks fantastic. I mean, yes. He's in great shape. He's got great hair. He's a handsome man. He's, he's bloody hell with his top off. And he's, he's in his 60s. He looks, yeah. he looks amazing. He he's got, runs with a quite a weird gait because he said about he had his neck. He's had a bit of a what? vertebra his neck fused. It took them ages to say that bit. Yeah, uh, I, I found it. I thought he had really scoliosis or something. But I found it really distracting for the first part of it because it looks mm. like his head sort of superimposed on someone else's body sometimes when he's running. Yeah, because of the gait and because of the way that he moves and because of how old his face looks compared to his body. But yeah, when he goes into details of how he shouldn't really even be running anymore, crazy because of the amount of operations he's had. The, I don't know if his wife, his wife talks about it maybe at one point. When I think of my nan and Christianity, we mentioned this before. Like my experience of Christianity is very different from. You know, a lot of people that you see on the news because for me it was someone helping people out and going to church and you sort of you know do as you would be done by sort of thing, right? Yeah. And they say, well, he wants he he thought about one point in his life going to the priesthood. Okay, okay. Now he's a high court judge, sentencing people to like seventy year prison sentences. That's a bit of a weird one, but he's so that's his job is applying the law, but he's doing everything he can outside of that to try and stop people getting in that situation. And for me, he is if you want to be. A religious person to me that's what it is hmm. you know he seems to have like a lot of love in his life and he's trying to he's genuinely trying to help people and if you're dealing with those people day in day out you know you know the way the system's set up over there you haven't got to walk far outside that fucking mission to work out that america is very dysfunctional right yes. the, it's massively unfair distribution of wealth and it's bad in this country but i mean it's chronic over there and, and getting worse it seems to be right so he he deals with people every day, and he knows what they're born into. He knows what their prospects are. He knows what their life is like. Um, we see his wife. So his wife's black. His kids are obviously mixed race. There's a bit early on when he talks about as a kid, and his mum died when he was very young. His mum took me to Watts, where there was the riots, the race riots in the 60s. Yeah. She said, you know, where she could have took me to Disneyland or to the, the bowling or to the movies or to the, you know, to the ocean. She took me to Watts and said, you must never be a bystander. You must always try to make a difference, yeah, basically. Yeah. What a thing, what a powerful thing for a mother to say. And and she'd be so proud if she knew that he spent the next 50 years trying to do that. He's such an impressive, and, and he doesn't give up on people. There's a bit there where when he says, it might not work this time, and he'll, he'll make a mistake. He said, but then the next, the fourth time, and the fifth time, and the sixth time, you, you keep believing in people. And eventually they come around. Like the, the fellow that David, I really like that David. And they lose touch, and he's, he's been trying to get a hold of him to, for, oh, this, for this yeah, yeah. trip. And it turns out, when they dig a little bit deeper, he, he thinks he can't afford it, and he doesn't want to embarrass himself. 
So the judge is like, well, you know, you're, you're my friend. We're going to get through this together. I'm going to help you with this. I was so pleased he did it. And at the end of it, like I got the happy ending. So, spoiler alert, but the fellow who's the musician ends up... Because the San Francisco Conservatory. And that, and that piece of music that he's written, which is lovely, and he's conducting it, and I think, oh my God, fair play to you, mate. The girl from Seattle ends up getting a, a job back home in Seattle, I think in nursing, in like, in like natal care or something, and she's reunited with her dad and her mum. David's there, and he's, he's got his artwork, and he's got his job, and he's doing his stuff. And then Raphael is... is he completely turned his life around. I thought, fuck it, I'm, even if you just saved one person's life, what a brilliant thing to be able to say to, that you've done. But he's done that for hundreds of people. He he's also, doing that for you. Yeah, and he's also a relentless raiser of money. Because for them to go and do the marathon in Rome, because he takes, I think, I can't remember how many he takes, but there's, there's dozens of them. And they all need the flights and they all need accommodation. They all, a lot of them, or most of them, need passports for the first time. He has to raise $70,000. That's it, yeah. Mm. $70,000. So after work, and he does his work, he's got his running shorts and his trainers on under his robes because he yeah. goes for a run at lunchtime because he absolutely loves to run. Then after work, he's on the phone trying to corral people mm. into raising money. And then he's up at 5.45 because that's when the running club starts. You think, this guy never has a second to himself. And a wife and three kids. And- he doesn't yeah. have a second to himself because he's constantly helping others. He is like a biblical character, this bloke. Well, this is the thing. I thought I was going to have a massive problem with that. So coming to this, reading the blurb about it, reading a couple of reviews of it before I watched it, I thought, I'm quite a cynical person. I'm probably going to think this bloke is a dick within maybe half an hour. And then you warm to him. And then you realise that he isn't doing it for any reason other than the open and honest reasons. Yeah, there's no agenda. It's also not his story, because he doesn't have a particularly interesting story. It's their stories, which are always more interesting than his. But also, you talk about raising the money. What I really liked about it was it would be very easy for him, as a High Court judge, to give them all really nice kit, really nice trainers. And when they're running in the marathon, they're running in the sort of... Like, Raphael's running in this really ill-fitting vest. Yeah, yeah. That's obviously just his running vest. So they have to put in a certain amount themselves, you know, for their ASICs running trainers or whatever, the one guy who keeps two pairs under his table. I love the fact that it's not, okay, if you do this, we'll give you all this. It is Mm. you have to earn your own way in life as well. Also, Ben, the musician, whose band supported Metallica, and were clearly a big deal at one stage... When he first turns up at 5.45, he, was th- he weighs 300 pounds and he waddles a few hundred yards and then the next day he waddles a little bit further then the next day he waddles a little bit further. If you have a chaotic lifestyle because you misuse drugs and alcohol, it takes an enormous amount of courage and conviction to wake up at that time to go yeah. for a run with the judge who might have sent to you. I mean, admittedly, I did think, why has it got to be so early? <laughs> Come on, guys. Well, cause he's got to be in chambers by 8 o'clock, yeah, probably. Yeah, 5.45, bloody hell. As long as you get across LA at any point, is it? So I imagine the chambers aren't near there. Yeah. So he's got to go for a run, have a shower, Yeah. drive across Los Angeles, get your robes on, and get into court for 8 o'clock in the morning. So the easy thing would be to not do it, wouldn't it? Yeah. And he does it every morning. He's in great neck, great arms and shoulders and chest yeah. on him oh. as well. I mean, he's in really good shape, isn't he? Yeah. I would I would wear a vest into the chambers with me. I wouldn't yeah. robe up. Um, because of <laughs> his like chronic back issues and all the operations he's had, and he says at one stage, every marathon is harder than the last, partly because yeah. of my age, but mainly because of my back. 
and it shows him after some long runs, he's clearly in a lot of pain and a lot of discomfort. Yeah, yeah. And if he hadn't, if he had had the, suffered the bad luck of that kind of back and that kind of back issue, I'm sure he'd be able to run into his seventies and eighties. But you know, he, I was watching it thinking, "You poor sod," because you can see the finish line, and it's it's a race he doesn't want to finish. They took twenty five people to Rome, and they all finished the marathon. Yeah, including one bloke who'd only run eight miles. That was the furthest he'd been. There's the, it starts off heavy. I mean, it starts off giving that gang member who was there looking like a tough guy. Yeah. A 75-year sentence. Yes. I think, well, you're probably 25 years of age, mate. You're not even eligible for parole till you're 100. Yeah. And he, and he just breaks down. So I'm thinking, if you're that judge, you know that if that fella in the dock had been born in different circumstances, he wouldn't be, in, he wouldn't be where he is, yeah. right? He's a, he's a victim of his circumstances. And he's not. You wouldn't be staring down the barrel of living the rest of his life in prison. No. And you've just said to him now that basically... You've just decided because you've applied the law. It's not your decision, but you know, you yeah, know, yeah. Because of what you've said there, how how you've applied the law, he'll never leave prison. Yeah, he will die in prison. Fucking hell, that is such a cross to bear. And, and also in in films and TV shows, when gang members get sentenced to life, they can always take a sentence, and always steely eyed that. That, yeah. that glare at the judge, yeah, it doesn't bother me. All right, I'll, I'll do 75 years in, in, inside. And he is sobbing, because that's yeah. it now. His life's done. Yeah. And you've taken someone's life, obviously, and that's, you know. Yeah, yeah. But geez, Well, I think with Raphael, so Raphael was 18 when he did that. Yeah. So he ends up doing, he's, he comes out when he's my age. He's, he's like, he's nearly 50. He goes, and there's a kid. I can't, I'm nowhere near the person I was when I was 18. I was thinking about watching Shawshank Redemption, and there's that bit with Red, Morgan Freeman. And he goes for the pro board and he keeps getting... He's saying what he, what he thinks they want to hear and every year he gets turned down. When he finally gets released is when he says, you know, there's not a day in my life goes by that I, that, I, that I don't wish I could change that. I'm not that person anymore. Raphael said when he came out of prison, the first thing he tried to do was find out where the fellow he'd shot would be buried. And there's just like a communal grave because the bloke was skint, you know, he was, he was from the, you know, the hood as well. So he pays to, like, have his name put on a stone. I think, fucking hell, just to have that... For him, a little bit of closure, and it, but it, he and never any at, at no point there that Raphael's such a likable fella, so at no point does he try and play down what he did, and no point does no, he that's say a that, good point. Yeah. that he's that he is in some way accounted for it because he hasn't. Yeah, there's no way you know he, he says, says he never can. He says he never can. Yeah, yeah. He no. says I'll spend the rest of my life trying to. I don't think he uses the word atone, but no. I think he says you know he's been trying to make up for it in some way, but he knows that he will never, never be will. able to. Because that fellow will never grow up. He'll never have a chance. He'll never have kids. He'll never have family. Yeah. He'll never. But imagine yeah. spending the rest of your life trying to make up for something when you know you can't. And there's that one bit where he ends up being breaking his parole, but you know. Oh yeah, uh, for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, literally that. Yeah. And I was thinking, please don't go back inside. Actually, he looks like as well. Um, I couldn't think of who he looked like. Go on. And there was a fellow played for the Bears called Matt Suey. Right. He was a running back. And there was Jim Brown, who played for the Cleveland Browns. He looks like a cross between Matt Suey and Jim Brown. So if you Google those two people and then have a look at Raphael, you'll see what I mean. But and he's not a, he's not a, a marathon build, is he? No, I mean, not at all. Well, none of them are. Big legs, big ass. Well, fair play to you, mate. That takes some bloody doing, that does. I couldn't do it. You've done it, Steph. I mean, I couldn't. You could. I couldn't. You could. That's what I quite like about this is every now and then when I'm out running in the nights, I'll catch a reflection of myself in a shop window and you never run in the way you think you do in your head yeah so in, your, in your mind 
your yeah, moses kryptonian really athletic way but i'm quite lumbering it, it's not depressing anymore but i think the first few times when you see yourself you go oh shit every time i think about doing it and and the judge nails it right he says it never gets easier whenever i see someone finish a marathon i don't think they've done three now so the fourth one's going to be a piece of piss <laughs> you can't the fourth flag one's it. as hard as the first one yeah yeah well that's not my cup of tea <laughs> I want things to become easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's not too much to ask, is it? If you put the hours in, should, shouldn't shouldn't this get easier? But that's why it's the perfect thing for these guys to be doing in a way. Do you know what I mean? It's because also they are trying to atone for things they can't atone for. Yeah, in a way. and they're they're trying to. When you when you're in that when uh, Humboldt Mrs. leaves him, yeah, on that dorm wall, yeah, he said he just had to be somewhere where all he needed, all he could think about was the the rock face, right? That, and that was out of his mind then. I was watching this thinking the same thing. So with Raphael and with the judge, you know, if they're just focusing on finishing this run, Raphael's not thinking about the fella whose life he ended. The judge is not thinking about the people that are in dying of old age in prison that he's sentenced to super long sentences or whatever. I love things that look good as well. And the, 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 the score is really good. I'm not sure if that's, if it's, I'm not sure if it's Ben's stuff or whether he's conducting it, but he's certainly conducting that auction at the end. And, and his, his piece that he composed is good as well, so it might be his stuff. I don't know. I noticed that he is one of the assistants in the, in the, the music side of it okay. on, the, on the credits. But the shots are lovely as well. L.A. at nighttime just lends it. It's just so cinematic, yeah. isn't it? It's like Blade Runner. It looks amazing. Yeah. I also quite like the night shots and them running because they're my kind of running group in that none of them are talking to each other. And I yeah. love that. You ever joined a running group? No, I can't. I can't. I don't, I I've run with a few other people, but I can't run with people. I think it's quite a personal thing to run with someone else, because yeah. your pace—if your pace is different—you're you're either making it unobtainably difficult for the other person, yes, or you're slowing them down. I'm always slowing people down. It's a weird thing to be in a running like you—you you, you can't talk anyway. You're knackered, I assume. Well, you're supposed to be able to run at a pace where you could hold a conversation, but for me, that would be walking. Yeah. So it feels it yeah. feels pointless. Do you know what I mean? I've yeah. never been able to run with such comfort that I can go, and then we did it. <laughs> how was your day today? How, how are you feeling? I'm f- I'm fucked. fucked. Absolutely. <laughs> completely <laughs> fucked. I'm fucked. I'll follow. Yeah. Got that my, podcast. I'll follow, I'll follow left. L and stuff for tomorrow. 25 and a half miles. <laughs> 20, 20. This is you. You laugh, mate. But BBC Radio Wales will have four hours out of this doing the uh, Cardiff Half Marathon. <laughs> that's what that's what it's like when they do it live on the radio. How's it going so far? I'm fucked. I'm oh, completely uh, fucked. Uh, uh, Fucking. You, 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 you reach your money for? <laughs> Can you reach your Wales? Take care. Thank you. Sarah I don't even like rhinos. <laughs> Don't give a fuck about rhinos, but I do like hippos. Gotta go. Uh, no, everyone ignores the fucking hippos. Don't need to know if I will, will, why, why, fan finish, not, um, not the wrestling, which I think is WWE now, anyway. Gotta go. Bye. For WCW. Then <laughs> Win Evans, you know. He's been on a couple of discs, and then uh, back to it. Yeah, like I said, I didn't think I was going to like this at all, which is funny. I didn't think I was going li- to like him. I thought he was going to be yeah. one of those... Yeah. He's going to be very American, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and he's not. And even the bit at the end where he's getting quite emotional, lighting the candles in Florence. That's his own thing. And I really liked it. And when I say very American, I don't 
Oh, nothing against Americans, you know. No, no, but... Americans are my family, but there's a certain type of American. Yes, yeah. And he wasn't. What I love is that Ben, the musician, worked so hard to get into the San Francisco Conservatory. So hard. And it's clearly difficult to get in. So he's got to write his own piece of classical music, find some players who are willing to do it for free, score it, and then conduct them, and then send that off. He has three hours sleep a night for weeks because he's so worried about this audition. Yeah. And he's constantly working at this piece. And then it shows him and he's playing some of it and then he just scrunches up and he throws away and he starts again. He's like, it's just not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. He's so driven at the age of 50 because yeah. he turns 50 doing the documentary to get his BA in music, I'm guessing. Yeah. When he eventually gets let in and he gets told in Rome that he's passed the audition, Judge Mitchell is so pleased on his, on his behalf and he's a completely oh, genuine that, reaction. Which gives him a massive hug. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic. And Ben doesn't look like a hugger. Ben put his hand up to shake it, and the judge sort of, he sort of pulls him in for the hug, didn't he? Yeah, it's a completely selfless moment where he is pleased on behalf of someone else, and he doesn't get any, you know, nothing else in reward. But it's just because he likes him, and he likes him. That's the that's the thing. He, the people whose because of their lives would be written off by others. He likes. I don't think some people realise how important it is to be liked. It's, a, it's actually a tr- tremendously powerful emotion knowing that people like you. And it's tough love as well, though. Like the, so the, the fellow who falls off, you know, off the wagon. Yeah. And the judge says to the club, listen, he's, you know, there's very strict, you know, there's, there's the things you have to do. You have to stay sober if you do this. And he didn't do it. Yeah. He's off. He's relapsed. You know, he's out. We hope he can come back again, but he's out. And there yeah. it is. You know, so he has to, you have to have, you have to have that in you. But he is genuinely, genuinely pleased for those people. Yeah. yeah. And he's a thoroughly, like, his, it was lovely when his, they show his son graduation there when they're having dinner you know and, and you can see the way that he speaks to his son is the way that his mum spoke to him mm. yeah there's a lot of that you know but be the you, know, you make a difference and you be the best person you be and you make a difference in people's lives I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed this as a, as a documentary yeah and like you said it's nice to have a happy ending isn't it and I'm, I'm hoping I've, I've done a little bit of googling yeah the last stuff I found was like two, 2020 so a couple, you know a year ago and they all seem to be on the straight and narrow. Yeah. That, Re- that Rebecca is very honest about it. She says, like, I'm only ever one drink away from yes. yeah. being in trouble again. You know, you can't, I've got to live every day. Was the bit where Ben's in uh, Italy after they've done the marathon. He says, yeah, I could go and have a glass of wine now to celebrate. And then yeah. I'd be here with all my clothes off. Yeah, fighting. <laughs> yeah, having a fight. Yeah. Be arrested, get deported. Well, that bit with Raphael. I mean, Raphael's a convicted murderer. Yeah. So to get a visa to leave the country, I mean, the judge says... You know, you're with me. I'll pull strings, I'll talk to people, and I'll make things happen. And okay, now, absolutely yeah. brilliant. How'd you come up across it? Or was it just a Robbins a watched it, it and he said, "Have you seen Skid Row Marathon?" I said, "No." He said, "Oh, you'll love it, but it's quite a difficult watch." Yeah. So I thought it was a good watch, though. I thought it was. A, well, I mean, it's it, in that it, it, it discusses things, it discusses difficult topics. You know. Yeah. I yeah, mean, that absolutely. what that first couple of minutes watching that guy get effectively his life ended. What is he? He's mid twenties, maybe. And that's yeah. it. That's it now. Yeah. Prison forever. Bye. Yeah, yeah, you're done. And he breaks down. To see someone with his background breaking down, I thought, oh, Christ, this is, uh, is going to have challenging moments. But it's a very, very uplifting story. Just to eat my grapes. Why do um, some foods just seem opulent, don't they? Grapes. Even though they're not. Yeah. yeah. Grapes always seem a bit indulgent, even though they're not at all. They're 99 pence for a box. Also, grapes, is what, they're one of those fruits that was readily available in the 80s. It's not like the mango. Yeah, I don't believe that it has any vitamin qualities. 
because Grapes. it was around in the 80s. Yeah. 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 Whereas I believe that a mango is a superfood. I'll tell you the weirdest one. Go on. I made the kids some toast. Yeah. And we cut it in triangles, not in half. Amazing. So I cut it diagonally instead of horizontally. Like a cafe. Instantly look posh. And yeah. tastes nicer. Somehow. Yeah. I thought, look at me, being all fucking posh with my, with my triangular toast. Instead of cutting it halfway across, just cut it corner to corner. And I just thought I'm showing off now. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is indulgent. This is like... Opulent This is the foods. cart, cart door of food now. And Ribena. When I was a kid, Ribena was like... You were proper. I mean, you were posh if you had Ribena. Yeah. So bad for you, looking back. So the, sweet. The sugar content, according to my 10-year-old, is higher than Coca-Cola. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. I wouldn't be not surprised. legally binding. But you add water to it, you don't. You don't put like... You don't drink it in one. What, neat? You don't straight, put Coke in a Ribena. glass and then put nine-tenths water in it, do you? Imagine necking a pint of just Ribena. Ah! <laughs> 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 yeah, let's go! Throat mm. section of it. <laughs> Two days later, still up. <laughs> my teeth feel oh, my teeth off. feel like someone else's teeth in my mouth. A pint of Ribena. Do a yard of Ribena after a game of rugby. 18th birthday. <laughs> I'm trying to buy a yard glass now. With, Are you? With no, no luck at all. You got a tour coming up. Oh yeah. Two yards. Oh let's get a glass and take it away, take it on tour with her. What I just did sip from a yard of ale throughout the show. <laughs> no challenge uh, challenge punters. I don't neck it because you know, I don't encourage binge drinking. You just sit there oh, sipping no, from it. <laughs> I want the proper one. You can buy like the the one with the sort of bowl at the end, sort of yeah. Bowl, but the really thin. The proper ones are very thin, very thin, long stem. You can buy the ones like the cheaper ones now, but they've got a really wide neck. Okay, a bit of a bulb at the bottom. Yeah, and they're like one and a half pints. But a proper pint glass, a uh, yard glass, is two and a half pints. Right. Very long. Yeah. It's a yard long, obviously. Thanks. And it's very thin, and then then you get the bulb. That's the proper one. Yeah. You just can't find them anywhere. If you're in the uh, licensing trade and you want to get a hold of a fucking yard of air glass, I will pay you for it. You're in the glass blowing industry. <laughs> Rain's called round last week, dropped me off some essay. Lovely. Because I, I mentioned that uh, I was having a pint on my, after the, my radio thing. Yeah. I said it was nice, but it wasn't. It was no essay, you know. Oh, okay. Just next thing, well, we'll drop me on some essay. That's oh, nice, isn't it? I bloody oh. love I drove my car here today. It's no Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> See how it goes, isn't it? I like this. This is yeah. a good way of doing things. I've just had a piss. It's no nine-inch cock. But I mean, uh, <laughs> if you have got one, I'm going to have. It's out of this big Someone fucker. Someone turned up at the door with a nine-inch cock for you when you think that would be a good thing. <laughs> Mr. Bubbins! <laughs> yes. I've got this for you. I'll get that. Does it turn into a chair? <laughs> no. Oh, no. But you can sit on it. And open bottles with it. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had a nine-inch dick. Instead of this big old thing. <laughs> This big unwieldy fucker. <laughs> imagine, imagine describing your own penis unwieldy. <laughs> big unwieldy fucker. <laughs> On that fucking naked, fucker. naked attraction. Yeah. Have you watched that naked you attraction? Have, you ever yeah. driven an HGV? Brilliant. When the screen goes up and then you just stood there and then the, the girl goes, that's a big unwieldy fucker. <laughs> Oh, there was an episode of Naked Attraction. It's great. It's where great they, view, they wanted, uh, it was a couple doing it for the first time. It was a couple choosing, and they wanted to have a threesome. She was far more into it than he was, and she wanted to have oh, a threesome God. with another man. 
Yeah. So, All she's saying is, I want to get fucked by somebody else. Yeah. yeah. What, what I don't want is you anymore. <laughs> I want your money, but someone else's dick. Get his arm me. round. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember what they were called. But it's, Plug your it, pension and his dick. It's like, is it Anna Richardson writing? What's your perfect man look like? <laughs> your bank balance is gone. So you, you constantly had his arm around his girlfriend. She's like, you're into it? He's like, yeah, yeah, I can't wait. It'll be a really good experience. You know, it'll be great. It'll just be a really good experience. So, yeah, I can't wait. Because it'll just be such a new, different, good experience. Yeah, such a lovely one-off. Yeah. <laughs> just a great one-off thing she that we like, try once and we never do again. She was saying, "Yeah, I've always wanted to do this." She was like, and then she yeah. doesn't leave me. Yeah, me too. I've always wanted to do this ever since I met you. Oh, when it showed all the naked, <laughs> attractive looks. I met you. <laughs> How long have you wanted to do this since our first date? <laughs> he looks so when, crestfallen. When, when you rather oddly mentioned it. Yeah, it'll be a really good new experience, which I'm looking forward to, and I'm behind 100. <laughs> percent if there's one thing I'd, I'd love to see, it's another man's balls right by my fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be absolutely brilliant. I'm just, I've always wanted to do this, and I'm so glad that Paul is really supportive you know, for of a fact, it. He's, he's picking the block with the tiniest dick there, isn't he? I've, me- I've mentioned this to a few of my ex-boyfriends. They've, they've been up for it. I'm so glad that Paul is so supportive of, of, of something I've always wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I am supportive, look. but the good thing is, is because it's, it's 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 actually good for me as well because it's a cool experience that's new. You know, YOLO, isn't it? <laughs> we'll both get something out of it. So, Paul, what what do you think? Which men? Which man do you like? They all look really, really all look really great, actually. He, he's handsome. <laughs> yeah, the sort of unconfident one. He looks quite good. I like him. Yeah, the one whose dick's not twitching when I speak would be nice. <laughs> Paul, you've gone quite pale. Yeah, I'm just thinking about all the cool new experiences I'm about to have. I can't believe my luck sometimes. I just cannot believe my luck. And doing on telly is great as well, isn't it? <laughs> That's the best, That's the best, the best bit, bit I can't wait for the lads in work to see this. The best, <laughs> the best bit about it is doing it on telly yeah. in front of my family and friends. That, for me, is the best bit. i tell you one thing. Christmas dinners in your family is brilliant. <laughs> Sometimes you don't have anything to talk about. She was chomping at the bit. <laughs> she was. She couldn't wait, did she? I bet. You don't get your tits up till the end. No, I'm out. I'm out. No, it's fine. That's so weird, isn't it? Yes. It's not on anymore, I don't think. What do you mean? It's not acceptable? It's not already that <laughs> No, <anymore>. no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I... really judgmental then. No, it's not I, on I anymore. Th- th- all right, mate. Th- th- I think they ran out of uh, willing participants. Crack addicts. So... That's where we are going to leave you guys and head off to Patreon land for the second half of the show. So if you are not a Patreon subscriber, go to patreon.com slash distant pod and you can see all the options there. Have a look at the prices. If you want to get involved, get involved. If you don't, then carry on downloading the free version and listen to the adverts. And on the other side of these, we'll have the book review. Can I also just say? Yes. I thought we got if away you, with it then, huh? Well, no. I, I, thought, you, I thought I'd sail through it without looking at the screen. If you do or don't, it's obviously up to you, right? Yes. Please don't feel the need to tell me how I should be, you know, conducting my own business affairs. <laughs> All right? You, you start your own business up and do what the fuck you like with it. But don't tell me what to do with my business. Which is not mine, it's mine and Alison Stephens, that's the point. Have you got some advice on it? Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> oh, unless you are like a, like, like well, a, if there's you know, a financial advisor out there. If you're like John Harvey Jones, fair enough. Yeah. But if you're some fucking dildo who, who lives with his fucking mum, I don't care what your opinion is. 
if well, the Theop- business advisor from the 80s, ideally. If, if Theo Pafitis or oh, yeah. Deborah Meaden want to give us advice. If Theo absolutely. Hamburger wants to get in touch. Yeah, if, if Sir Alan Sugar wants to give us some tips. Yeah. Or wants to buy us out. We're allowed right. to mention patrons because that's, this is what pays the bills. Yes. It's because of the very nice patrons that I can spend more time with my family and do things I want to do. So I'd like more people to do that so I can spend more time doing that. If you don't listen to me say that, that's fine. Just fast forward this a little bit. Yeah, that's all good. The the main thing is, you know where it is in the podcast. And if you're doing it... If you don't like this bit, once the documentaries end, fast forward through this bit if you want to. And if you are doing it, thank you very much. I genuinely appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a world of difference. Thank you. Yeah. That's not what I say. That was quite tame by comparison. Was his name John Harvey Jones? Yeah, no, it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just I don't know if he still does that sort of thing because it was 1987. The last time I saw him, wasn't he the the troubleshooter? He was the troubleshooter. Yeah. Yeah. If you're the ghost of John Harvey Jones and you want to give us some, uh, the the ghost of John Harvey Jones wants to at distant pod. Okay, if you're the ghost of John Harvey Jones, the references on this podcast are hilariously out of date. John Harvey Jones. He hasn't had a career for 40 years, that man. Business advice from a guy who's been dead for years. Yeah, I like all the politicians. Ernest Bevin. Oh, good. Herbert Morrison. Pit the elder, not the younger. <laughs> Pit the elder. Ethelred the Ready. Uh, much more successful than his brother. <laughs> Imagine that being your nickname. Ethelred the Unready. <laughs> Never. Never. Where the fuck's Ethelred? Where do you think he is? He's not ready. Mike, who's sitting in the car. (laughs) Right. To wrap things up for episode 67. Wow. Woof. Now, in the old days, I would have asked you to change the number of this pod. Why? Because 6 plus 7 makes 13. I didn't like anything to add up to 13. Why? I, that was that was a superstition I had. Was things adding up to thirteen? Not actually like, thirteen. Would, to say you're fine with thirteen itself. Thirteen itself was fine. But like, if I was reading a book, I wouldn't stop on page ninety four. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have left it on pod sixty seven. I would. It would have to be. You know. Do you want to do sixty eight now as well? This is this. No, I've moved on. No, don't give it. Oh. For, don't give it back into it. For God's sake, give me years to break that bit. <laughs> See me tomorrow walking to school, counting my steps again. You're like, Mike, <laughs> yeah, no, two, so five, six, start again now. <laughs> I suppose, looking back at it now, I recognise it as a, a, a version of OCD. Okay. About lots of stuff. Wow. Really weird. Yeah. All like adding things together, counting steps, counting the times, you know, eating food a particular way, drinking drinks a particular way. Everything had to be done a particular way. So yeah. I would chew food every meal. I would chew food the same way. Twelve times. Every time. Well, no, it was to with the, where the spoon was. Otherwise, if we can like say cereal, it would be a certain way with cereal. Right? Okay. And then if I was... Well, it just sounds really frustrating. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm actually not laughing at you. I, I find no, no. it very frustrating. And then if I was drinking a pint of anything, it would be one sip, and then the next would be two, then three, then two, then one. You know, it would always be, yeah. Wow. And, yeah, and things like six plus seven, I, w- I wouldn't want to... I'd never do that. Not get involved in that. Then, you know, and, so, and like with a with the clock, if I was going to go to bed and, and the clock on the, on the cooker said, you know, the time was, if it was 12.01, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. go to bed then because that's 13. I'd wait. Yeah, it's okay. good fun. I mean, yeah. How did you, how'd you fix Can't, that? I was talking to a friend of ours, that I don't know, I know called Sarah Breeze. Right. And either her brother or her boyfriend at the time had, had OCD. I was explaining something. I was doing that and explaining this TV thing with her. With yeah. her. She was working on that with me and Exy. And um, 
I was explaining. She, she said, oh, you, <laughs> you know that that's a thing that you've got. I, said, yeah. Yeah. I just thought it was a bit weird. She said, no, that's... Um, so the thing is, now, when you get rid of that cooker, when we had to change the kitchen and we changed a few things around, she said, that'll be a time to make a break from stuff. But don't replace it with something else. So when you get the new cooker, yeah. don't find a new way of doing things. Because you, you start to think, if I don't do things this way, yeah. bad things yeah, will happen. Yeah. Yes. That's, it's, it's a strange thing. You know, yeah. so you have to do things a certain way. And it's more than superstition. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, you it's actually strange. think it will happen. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, it makes, well, I'm fairly, I'm fairly um, scientifically based person. Well, yeah, it doesn't have to make logical sense for it to be a thing in your head. No, it's weird, yeah. yeah. It is weird. Oh. But I that and it, it wasn't thankfully. I mean, for some people, it's debilitating. I never paid any attention. I just thought it was a weird little quirk that I had until someone said, mm, yeah. "I mean, it is, and it isn't." <laughs> you know. So if you if you're if you're sipping your pints a certain way, or eating your cereal a certain way, or taking a certain number of steps, or only doing things a certain way, and and you're fine with it, and it's not affecting your life, that's fine. Yeah. But if it is, do, do, try and do something about it, isn't it. I don't know what the hell to call this episode now. Well, I'll call it 67. 66B? 66B? No, no, fuck, don't call it that. No, because then it'll be back in I'm going to call them all 67 from now on. Call them all 67. (laughs) (laughs) If if they don't have a 13 now, I get freaky. (laughs) (laughs) I'm completely fixed. (laughs) There we go. I'm I'm like an onion, mate. I've got layers. You have got layers. And you regularly make me cry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I stink. Yeah. <laughs> make my eyes water. Uh, what have you got then? What, what, what book are you bringing right, well, to the Well, do you table? know what? This is quite prescient, is the word I'm looking for. Oh, good. Because obviously the Lions tour, by the time this goes out, I mean, it's literally hanging by it a thread. It may well have been called off. Yeah. The boys may be home by next Tuesday, right? Yeah. It is hanging by a thread. And what I love about Lions rugby... Um, is that you are playing with, you know, the best of the best. And it is about the experience of the Lions. I mean, it just seemed weird watching a Lions game in an empty stadium. I know all, all the games have been in empty stadiums, but the whole the whole legacy of the Lions, which is what this book's called, The Legacy, legacy of the Lions, mm-hmm. is about the experience, isn't it? It's the fan experience and the players and the tours. and Yeah, so it's very odd to see it there with empty stadiums. And people say, oh, they're just, it's money-grabbing exercise. No, no, you won't find a bigger critic than me at certain points in my life of the Welsh Rugby Union and people grabbing money, right, and and world rugby. But at the moment, rugby's in a shit street because yeah. of what's happened to it. So if they are doing it for the money, good, because it fucking game but needs the money. If they wanted to do it for the money, it would make more financial sense to knock it on to next year. Although someone made a really good point, mate, that that's assuming that South Africa's got a handle on this by next year, and that's by no means guaranteed. No, so. absolutely. No, no, I don't think there are any guarantees at the moment. People are being a little bit too wise after the event on social media for me. Go, oh, she never bloody got ahead anyway. You should have known well, that. Yeah. So well, you can say that about anything, can't you? Like, the Euros could quite easily have gone tits up, and it hasn't. I've backed off criticising uh, rugby unions and, and, and world rugby at the moment because, yeah, it is, it is weird times, and, I, you know, I'm prepared to... Give people the benefit of the doubt. So this book, anyway, this was our friends at Polaris Publishing sent, sent me this. Mm-hmm. Oh, they sent me some cracking books, right? And I'm just I'm just leafing through it at the moment. Um, it is a hardback, which is always nice. It is, yeah. It's got a great photograph section in the middle, which is always lovely. Um, oh, Martin Johnson, what a player. So anyway, Kevin Hastings, I just read this bit here. I'm on page 70. I'll read this little bit to you, right? Okay. I mean, McGeekin, we've talked about before. I, I absolutely love Geech. 
I think he's an absolute pearl, right? Uh, here we go. Each country we tour with the Lions has its unique style of rugby, its unique quirks and unique identity. South Africa is a big country of big men and they respect big men. Physical intimidation and dominance are the hallmarks of rugby out there. They've always had talented backs, but they want to break you physically before they give the ball any air. You need a certain type of character or a certain type of player to stand up to that. Jono ticked every box for me. It didn't matter that he wasn't captain of Leicester or England. He was a leader for them, and he would be surrounded by great leaders who would help them. So now listen to what Martin Johnson I love this bit, right? Imagine this now. This is proper hairs in the back of the neck stuff, right? Go on. Martin Johnson I love anyway. Right? Yeah. That for me was the key, says Jono. Every time a Lions tour comes around, I get asked about leadership. People want to talk about you and get the secrets. Oh, Jono, you're a good captain, blah, blah, blah. And I say, well, the first thing you need to be a good captain is to have a good team with you and a great group of leaders. In 1997, that's exactly what I had. Yain Evans, captain of Wales, Lions legend. Jerry Guscott, probably England's greatest ever back, Lions legend. Jason Leonard, battle-hardened, experienced, a test line in 93. Scott Gibbs, been there, done it, seen it all. A test lion in 93 and then a professional rugby league player. Rob Wainwright, captain of Scotland, a shrewd operator. Lawrence Delalio, captain of Wasps, hugely charismatic. Keith Wood, captain of Ireland, also hugely charismatic. Tim Rodber, hugely experienced, an army captain, a warrior. All these guys could talk the talk and walk the walk. There was no need for Churchillian speeches from me. These guys could do all that for me. Then you add in Geach and his right-hand man, Jim Telfer. Two of the greatest speechmakers in sport and history, plus the manager, Fran Cotton, also a Lions legend. You didn't need me to write inspiring speeches. So that's the secret. These guys are totems. All I had to do was say a few words now and again and take the lead by training my balls off, playing as hard as I, and as well as I could. Oh. I love that. Just surround yourself with those people. Yeah. Bloody hell. The, the honour of that for him. Yeah. And I love that. I love the fact that if the best leaders are not in, uh, not at all intimidated by surrounding themselves with yes, the best yes. people, you know? That's, yeah, I think that's key. He did it? three tours. He's, with he's, he is perfectly confident in his own abilities and his own qualities. Yeah. That that's, that's no threat to him as a leader. Well, Jason Leonard on that tour, going into that tour in 97, Jason Leonard yeah. is a front row cert for the tests. But yeah. they decide to play it slightly differently and they have Paul Wallace and Tom Smith. But instead of you know, sulking about it. Jason Leonard taught them more about scrummaging during that tour so that as well as being good in the loose as they were, they would be fantastic scrummagers as well and could scrummage lower and lower and lower against the South Africans. And that's the sort of stuff is passing on your knowledge, isn't it? Yeah. You know, when you go on a Lions tour or if you play for England at football or England at cricket, it needs to be about that. And not about like Neville was saying the other night, wasn't he? That playing for Man United was the central focus. Yeah, Carragher said and this. Playing for England as well. was the other thing. Yeah. Whereas but, someone like Neil Jenkins goes on that '97 tour, and because Gregor Townsend is the informed ten, he has to play fullback. You've got to be a very selfless player to do that, though. Because well, exactly, you play out of position. You're going to get caught out of position. And a lot. if that's not your position, you are almost certainly playing against a team's a team of that calibre going to get caught out and look a bit stupid and it's not really your fault. Well, they had Joubert and Small in their back three, South Africa. If you imagine defending against that when you're not fast? I mean, Neil's a lot faster than I will ever be. I'm not criticising the man. Yeah. But, but it was the weakness in his game, yeah. Check this. Now, when you're respected by your peers, it's lovely when you've managed a game of anything or you've done a comedy gig or you, you know, or if you've made a, a, a documentary stuff, whatever. When yeah. you're with people that do what you do yeah. and they respect you, 
it always means a lot more because they understand what yeah, it's I like. Yeah, that's great. Never had that. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love the idea of it. Conceptually, I'm with you. <laughs> so check this now. So th- there's that list of people I just read with like a who's who, right? So listen to this. So Finley Calder, though. I'm talking about Martin Johnson again. Finley Calder has a story about Johnson which illustrates his charisma as well as the regard in which he was held by his peers. In 2017, says Finn, there was a special dinner for all the living Lions captains. Sam Warburton couldn't make it, but there was you and me, Paul O'Connell, Brian O'Driscoll, Jono, Kieran Fitzgerald, Bill Beaumont, Phil Bennett, Willie John McBride, John Dawes, Tom Keenan, even Ronnie Dawson was there. Now, this is a room of big, big names, characters, leaders. Jono got up to speak, and you could have heard a pin drop. We all deferred to him. Among that group, he was the Lion King. Oh, oh, come on. Imagine being that in that company. Oh, Amazing. my God. Anyway, so, yeah, that's from Polaris Publishing. Uh, it's by Gavin Hastings, a legend in his, in his own right, uh, and it's called Legacy of the Lions. It's absolutely super. Love everything around the Lions at the moment. Getting very yeah. invested in all of that. Right, that is us for this week. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us at all, at Distant Pod, on all of the social medias. If you have any clips or anything like that that you want to TikTok. talk about. Should we have a TikTok page? I'll just, I'll, we have a t- just oh, un- yes. I'll just unwrap books on it and freak out when I see them. Just you unboxing yeah, yeah. books. Right, from now on, everything I get sent, yeah. I will unbox it and I'm going to get a, a Distant Pod TikTok. Get a Distant Pod TikTok. Oh, that'd be amazing. Then I'm going to get 80 million followers and fuck the two of you off. Just listen oh to you being, next time you're on Radio Wales being introduced <laughs> as TikToker and influencer Mike Bubbins joins us. Do you see all the TikTok advertising at the bloody Euros? Yeah. They're Wrexham sponsors now. They are Wrexham sponsors for next season. Though. Are they? They're on their shirts, yeah. That must be because of the boys. Of course it is. Yeah, they've got oh. aviation gin on the sleeves, TikTok on the front. Oh my Loving God. Loving that game. They'll be signing Franz Beckenbauer and Pele, no. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Right, so if Mike hasn't left us by next week due to his TikTok fame. <laughs> Depends on TikTok, doesn't it? Exactly. You just doing dances in your garden. <laughs> and Vic. <laughs> gonna make Vic. Vic's going to go viral. But not in the way you used to. <laughs> oh, no. Hepatitis. 